Hey, wonderfuls! Welcome to this very special Bohoko. That's Boko episode just for Max Fun members. This is a very extended version of a an episode that I recorded with the one and only delightful human being, John Hodgman. We had a very, very, very long conversation together. One of my favorites of the podcast. And that's saying a lot because it's been nine years. We wanted to do the entirety of the conversation just for Max Fund members. And we'll do a short version for non-Max Fund members. And this is a great way of showing people what they're missing by not being a part of the Max Fund community because this man is pure gold. And you're going to get to hear all the gold instead of just some nuggets. I guess I'm going to stop using this gold metaphor. Okay, so this is about our appreciation of you, MaxFun members. Thank you so much for supporting the network. If you are a supporter of the JV Club, which I hope you are, all it takes is just the clicking of a box when you are identifying which podcast you want to support with your membership. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you even if you don't support the JV Club because you're still supporting the JV Club by being a Max Fun member. So please enjoy this episode. Please enjoy knowing how much we enjoy you. How many more times can I use the word enjoy? I hope you've enjoyed my use of the word enjoy and that you enjoy this episode with the extremely enjoyable John Hodgman. This is John Hodgman. I'm rolling. <laughs> this is Janet Varney, also rolling in GarageBand. It's just our voices. It's just our, just our voices. We are about to get a very lucrative other. contract to <laughs> <laughs> advertise GarageBand for exclusively if, if podcast chooses, That's right. If Janet chooses to include this in the edit, <gasps> I wanted to roll as quickly as possible because in my, in our shared decade of podcasting experience... Yeah. The best stuff happens before you start recording. And the best stuff happens in GarageBand. Am I right, Hodgman? That's right, Janet. Look, (laughs) just because it comes with your computer doesn't mean it's not good. It's great, especially if you're just recording voices, which is what most podcasts are, after all. They They have plugs for guitars and harps and harmonicas. I don't use them. That's not me. Just my voice. It's just not me. It's just not me. It's just not uh, me. Listen, a new podcast. To each their own. To another it's new just podcast. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. New Maximum Fun Podcasts, left and right and center. What I'm trying to say, Janet, and you know this as well. How many, how many, how many episodes of, of the JV Club have you done? Have you recorded? I mean, roughly? It's, it's getting into Ballpark. like 420, something like that. Yeah, well, 420. Is this episode 420? I know what that means. I, d- I doubt it. And I don't think that it means what either one of us are thinking it means. I, I certainly didn't know. Us. I certainly to didn't us. know what that to meant us. in high school. I didn't but now either. that I'm a middle-aged man, I know. What I'm saying is, d- we've done yeah. we've done a little more than 500 episodes of Judge John Hodgman, and it's not a brag because they're all garbage. Because the best stuff uh-huh. happened oh, before yeah. we started rolling. That's right. Everything That's you've right. gotten for 10 plus years on Judge John Hodgman, a Maximum Fun podcast. 
Yeah. Has, has literally been recorded after we started rolling and therefore <laughs> is no good. It's all second best. The stuff that we were recording beforehand, usually, I don't know about you, but usually Jesse Thorne uh, and I and Jennifer Marmer do about a solid 90 minutes just of, of riffing and judging before oh, we start sure. rolling. It's the warm up. And you would think after 10 years, we would have figured out, just start rolling right away. <laughs> Hi, Janet. That's not Jesse's way. Jesse Jesse wants to warm up into it. He comes from public radio. Right. I assume that they have all the time in the world right. to sit and make small talk right. and have meaningful relationships with people right. before the world gets to hear them. Right. Uh, whereas you and I have no soul and realize if it's not going to go out to tens of people, right. then what's the point? We're rough and ready podcasters. We're the we're rough we're and the, ready. You know, we go back to the old school before there was Spotify. Um, Spotify was probably right, but you know what I mean. Pre before I thought you were going to say before there was public radio, Bef and that seemed like a very no, bold statement. No, no, before before Gimlet came along to professionalize yeah. podcasting and ruined everything That's for right. everyone. That's 100% right. Isn't it a little... Uh, first of all, I want to say I got to call you out for not saying our combined 20 years You're right. of podcasting. Because as you know, even like a group of 15-year-old skateboarders who've been skating since they were five yes. know to say our combined 50 years of skateboarding. <laughs> that sounds, that's a we very to... <laughs> specific example. I don't... <laughs> I was trying to think on the fly as a rough and ready podcaster of the least interesting combined experience of something unprofessional. I feel that I could. I feel like you live near a high school or a skate park, <laughs> Look, and these teens the and these teens are con you're constantly stopping them, saying you're barely experienced, and the teens are like combined. We I, have a hundred years of skateboarding experience. I needed someone in a hostage negoci negotiation scenario who had skateboarding experience. Right. And it was a life or death situation. Right. And I foolishly right. bought into the idea of their 100. No, You just went to the... Wait, I've now added to 100 years. I, I've made it 100 I years. made it 100. Oh, I made okay, it 100. Because okay, okay. I don't, I'm so I don't know how many kids are in this skate, skateboard club. It was very specific. The point is, it was a very specific. The example. point is, you well, went, we should be saying our near. Tha we have almost a thousand almost a podcast thousand episodes, which is that doesn't feel like a point of pride. It feels like oh, that's maybe too many. Well, like, that's maybe between us. That's maybe too many podcast episodes. It is. Just, no one needs all that. It's a sobering number. It's a sobering it number a sober for sure. Number. Which is good because we're supposed to be podcasting, not drinking. And yeah, it's exactly. Middle and it's. And this may be 420, but it's not 420 for us. <laughs> no. It's 12.12 p.m. here on the East Coast. We can't even agree on what time it is. I this know. is going very, very, very poorly. We, you know, the country is too wide is the point. The, the country is too wide. Your vest? Thank you. Is it keeping you warm? And at what point will the effusive laughter that heats up the body from the heart outward... At what point will the vest become too hot because we're having too much fun? I guess that's the question yeah, I have for you. And for, did you prepare for that? The for the for for those for those of you who are, cannot join our Zoom, everyone. <laughs> for those of you who are enjoying this as intended as a as a purely audio experience, 
recorded on GarageBand. I am wearing a puffy a puffy down vest. Here. It's not that puffy. It's subtly. It's like tech puffy. You know what I mean? It's no, not. It's, it's, it's not like. It's puffy. You know, but it's, I'm, I'm just saying it's not like retro puffy. Like, it's not no. like, I don't want people to imagine that you're wearing like, you know, a 70s no. era ski I'm not wearing. I'm not wearing a Marty McFly. You're not McFlying right, right. now. Yeah. No, I'm wearing. That a, looks to me like a, the, a Vesta from the future. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a vest from the future that I've had for quite a while. I did put it on. <laughs> it is a chilly spring in New York, but it's nice to be outside, right? It's nice to be outside. Uh, and the fact is that the, wearing this vest is, you know, for I'm a rough and ready podcaster. This is not professional. Listen to this thing. <laughs> no, I can't. I gotta take it. I gotta take it. It's off. a whisperer. Gotta, it's a real whisperer. I gotta take it off. It's, it's just, my responsibility to warm you from the inside with laughter and joy, so that you don't need that vest. Right. I'm gonna get hot too. I have a sweatshirt on. I don't need a sweatshirt. Have, I'm in Los Angeles. I have never been hot. What don't am I worry doing? about it. Um, let me say this though. I have now, here's another pro tip or, and you know what? Not pro. We're not professionals. Rough and ready podcasters. <laughs> Just getting out there and laying down some tracks in GarageBand. You bet. But, uh, I'm going to hide self view here on our teleconferencing platform. Well, that's probably a good idea. Um, because, uh, I've learned as I think others have that when we teleconference and we can see ourselves, our and, you know, I can see myself. You can see yourself. All I do it's is look at my own face. It's all we're thinking about. Yeah, right. It's all we're but thinking about. now I can see Wait, my friend. Wait, how do I hide self-view? Oh, here's a little life hack. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I could be of service. Uh, Thank you. If, you. if you look at your video yeah. and mouse over your video, you'll see in the upper right-hand corner a little blue box with three dots in it. <gasps> the dots. Click that. I Oh, I went all the way into video settings thinking I was like, oh, no, that's no, weird. No, no, no. Hide self view. Hide self view. And now it's just you and me and not our own faces, if you can see what I mean. <sighs> you know, there are times, John, in life when I almost wish I could my hide my own self view, but my inner self view. Yeah. When I'm too solipsistic and I'm staring inward in a way that is supposed to be humble because it's self-critical, but right. really to everyone else around me, it's just self-absorbed. Self-interested. I yeah. wish I could hide self-view. Net, I, I understand that. I understand that impulse. Sometimes, though, I have this feeling, and look, it's not 420, <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> Every now and then, and it's only recently that I think to myself, I've only ever seen out my own head. Yeah. I've, you know, I've only seen myself in video, like, and when you are an on-camera performer, as you are, and I, and I was sometimes, maybe, again, uh -huh. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, I saw plenty of myself, and so maybe, but every now and then I just think it's like, I'm just seeing out my own eyes. Everything yeah. else I'm seeing is a misrepresent, like any mirror image or photograph is someone else's point of view. Yeah. I've never seen my own face. Not really. Yeah. And then I feel trapped in my own body. Uh-huh. And I stay awake for 39 hours. Weird this number. This is, I couldn't have anticipated this opportunity for a segue, but I am so excited to talk to you about astral projection. Oh. Now. <laughs> 
Now, look, it sounds more complicated than it is. Look, I, I have to say that if I'm trading you knowledge of how, how to hide self-view on Zoom and yeah. you're trading back how to leave your own body and float on the astral plane, <laughs> I feel like I'm getting the better half of that barter. <laughs> You might I feel be, like I owe you a but little. I've but I've lived with this gift for so long. To me, it's as simple as hiding self view is for you. <laughs> wow! I will say, in a podcast that does focus a little on teenage years, yes. I was very, very sure that I could figure out how to astrally project from a very young age. Really? Yes, I cannot oh. say I've ever done it. Wow. Um, that would be maybe a different avenue for this podcast to go down if it suddenly became just me telling you about my experiences as an astral projectionist. Um, uh, yeah, that sounds like a part-time job. <laughs> part-time job at the mall. Yeah, it's oh, it's good money. Yeah. It's good money. I'm working. Uh, yeah, I'm working at the General <laughs> Cinemas. I'm an astral projectionist. <laughs> If I, it's it's fucked up because if if I keep working there this whole summer, I'm going to have to join the union and that costs money. So, oh, it's a whole thing. Yeah, right. You know, and for a long time, it was like you would go in. I wouldn't know. Am I going to be the astral projectionist tonight or am I going to sell popcorn? And right. it's a whole different. I mean, your clothes smell different, you know, when you come home, uh, depending on which one of those two things. And surprisingly worse if you've been astral projecting. That um, is weird. Yeah. Uh, there was a book that I loved i can't remember if i've talked about it on the podcast before of course between us we've had nearly a thousand podcast episodes so <laughs> don't sue us if um, we repeat ourselves yeah. nearly a thou nearly a thou but there was a there was a book called by lois duncan a prolific perhaps was she one of those authors yes. where other people were writing as her like did it become sort of a catch-all for you know what I mean a genre because I feel like there were those books well I'm I'm a dope well. so I recognize the name but I don't I don't yeah. re I don't remember the genre of Lois Duncan that's not flowers in the it, attic it, it that's VC like, Andrews no but you're not that far off okay I, I, I Lois Duncan um was definitely sort of intense mysteries with a lot of teen angst mm -hmm. but I think that they were more supernatural uh than the incest of VC Andrew books also supernatural spoiler also alert supernatural. spoiler alert <laughs> holy but she moly had this one book yeah she have had you this seen one her book. photo on Wikipedia who Lois Duncan? Yeah, sorry, I have access to Does a computer right now. Does she look like a female Stephen King? Does she look haunting? Does she no, look? She like looks a... like Audrey Hepburn. It's a black and white photo oh. of her. Oh, no, more oh. like Grace Kelly. Like a black and white photo of her from 1950, nice. standing in an extremely tall field of daisies. Looks like I'm not a okay. I'm not really up on my flower types, but it's very, very, a very, very. Oh. Oh, you know what I mean? I like see it's a just what you're talking it's about. It's a it's a glamorous shot. Whoa! You're not right? kidding, Mister. That's nuts. That's not what I expected at all. No. I really thought that it was going to be like Grace Slick. Do you it's know a, what I mean? It's In an like old yeah. standing by a velvet curtain. That's sort of based on her writing. That's sort of what I expected. No, and then the the more contemporary photos of her, she looks like a nice mom. She does look like a yeah, nice. mom. She passed away in 2016. Oh, I know what you did last summer. Duh. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know. Why? I really, really thought you were saying that to me and no. not that it was that book. No, I don't know what you did last oh, summer. God. Let's put that on the list uh, of topics. What okay. <laughs> did you do last summer? 
<laughs> I love that you, your notes to self, there's no shorthand. It is every word. You'll need every word as a prompt. Yes. I wrote down summer. What did I what, mean? What did I that mean was 50 by... minutes ago. What did I mean by that? Why did okay, I, what so, did I yeah, mean so by you did go. you do last summer? I was... <laughs> you think she ever decided to write a, like she should have written a sequel to it. And I know what you'll do next fall. Like that would be good. Listen, she, she knew that she needed to get in and out with one perfect book. And then it was the film industry that perpetuated the sequels to follow, which I believe right. include, I still know I what still you did last summer. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's anything after that, but I, I hope <laughs> I continue. I continue to have awareness of what right. you did last summer. That movie was a very scary movie about <laughs> m- memory, about how a person <laughs> did not get amnesia. Still know. <laughs> now you're right. It is a perfect book. No one's talking about Down a Dark Hall. No one. Oh, Down a Dark Hall is one of hers too? Yeah. What? Okay, so this is what I'm getting at. Okay. She had a book called Stranger with My Face. Okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. And it was about two young women mm-hmm. who had been separated at birth. Right. One of them is John Travolta. The other is Nicolas Cage. One of them is Arnold Schwarzenegger. The other is Danny DeVito. It was a little, a little couple of different references for people <laughs> around our age. Mm-hmm. All right. So I apologize. And one please. of them is not real. And Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds. <sighs> Which, wow. which one of those three is wow. not a real movie about two disparate people playing brothers? Which uh, one is not real? I I don't think that there was ever a Dom, Dom and Bert sibling movie. Uh, you're right. You're um, what gave it away? Me coming up with it after we knew <laughs> the two real ones? Wait a minute. You were telling me about this novel, okay, Stranger, with, Stranger my with My Face. Stranger With My Face. Now... I have not read it for a very, very long time. I want to say there is a component that may or may not be PC uh, in these times when which we are reexamining many things. I feel like perhaps she is part American Indian. Um, oh. I say that as a person who took many classes and was told to use the term by my American Indian professor rather than yes. Native American. Yes. It goes many different ways. People have different thoughts about that. I believe that she... So there's a sense of like, oh no, is this like sort of witchy voodoo that you're bringing in from a different culture? Right. Um, but I don't... But She's but magical I don't, is what you're saying. But she's magical. But I don't know that that... I, again, the place it's coming from, I think, was like a deep respected reverence for the idea of the spirituality of the American Indian. That the being said, The place it's coming from is, is, October, is October 1981. Thank you. And Thank you. People, wow. If it was October, I mean, I feel like I read it when it was hot off the, okay, no, I was too young. Hot but off the presses. Hot off the, hot off the presses. So she, so these two girls, so this girl starts having these kind of dreams of being visited by someone who sort of looks like this ghost, ghostly spectral version of herself. Right. And it turns out that she and her sister have been, and this is just one long spoiler alert, have yeah. been separated at birth, but the person who, like, she got to be with a good, you know, sort of richer family, uh-huh. and her sister was, uh, was, was put into a much less appealing environment um and but her sister learns how to astral, astral project. project we so said it at the same time twin. due to our psychic connection <laughs> also i've also i've been perusing the wikipedia page okay and so you may know by now hodgman yes that that's me john hodgman by the way i'm sister- a guest <laughs> 
I'm Janet Garage Band Varney. That's right. Um, and so her sister, so they bond together, but then ultimately th- we find out that her sister's evil goal is to get her her twin out of her own body long enough for her to slip into it body so that she switching. can take over. Mm. And mm. then the other one is, and then of course there's a whole thing where the, so, and then, and recently there has been a book that I've been made aware of that was also turned into a Netflix series that seems like it just stole that entire idea, except they're not sisters. There's a story about a sort of sexier story about two women who become friends. One of them teaches the other to do that. And then it becomes clear. Oh, she wants to steal uh, that body at the end is she's going to, she got to steal that body. She got to get in that body. But you, so did you, you were saying earlier in this podcast. So I thought it was real. I thought it was a real story. projection was real. I thought it was real. And you were going to do it. Or you were able to do it. And I was going to do it. And I, and then, you know, to follow after my really own, my own immediate exposure to astral projection being from the perspective of a teenage girl and the beautiful Lois Duncan in a field of daisies, uh, then you sort of start hearing like, oh, wait, this is a thing like Carlos Castellaneta believed in it. And and you and and for me sort of getting into the, like the hippie world of Tucson, Arizona in the 80s right. and 90s, um, there were people who perpetuated sure. this idea. Sure. And so I tried really hard many you, times. You were trying I tried so to astral project. What was your routine? <sighs> I mean, basically just what you read about in books, which is like either take copious amounts of drugs, mm-hmm. which may or may not do anything, but put send you into a panic, an existential panic, right. which is also, listen, important work to okay. do on yourself if you can. Okay, I'm, I'm uh, taking the drugs now. Done. Good. Now. It's, wait till 420. Wait till 420. Okay. All right. They only work if you take them. Okay. No, but like, uh, would, you, would, you, would, you, would, you, would you meditate somewhere like in your... I mean, I think it really was like, like was you're just trying? lying and, you know, it's, it's the, it's that liminal. I think the ideal is the sort of liminal state. And again, again, I may have held on to this from the Lois Duncan book and from no other book that may have been more grounded in like true right. mythology or whatever. True mythology sounds weird, but, um, but I think it's that liminal state where you're not quite, you're falling asleep at night, yeah. you're very relaxed, yeah. you're not quite awake, but yeah. you're not quite asleep, which yeah. is a magical time sure. for many of us, whether right. or not we're leaving our bodies. Right. It's just, it's it's that magical period of sleep before the terror comes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Before... Like genuinely thought that they could. Yeah, there's a thread of. I mean, there are definitely people that I stumble across who wanted very much to have some sort of ESP type telekinesis, that kind of thing. Did you have any of that? Well, you unlocked. You you unlocked a memory. You unlocked a memory. Oh, this is my job. Uh, because uh, I I grew up in Brookline, Massachusetts, uh, a a leafy suburb for the most part of of Boston. I mean, very close to Boston. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, only child, weirdo. Um, uh, spent a lot of time just by myself, just astral projecting the shit out of myself. Oh, I don't know why you had what? so much difficulty. Well, bury with the it. lead. <laughs> bury the leafy lead. Yeah, no, I just would pop out, float around Brookline, <laughs> leave my body behind, float over to Coolidge wow. Corner. I'm so Float down Harvard right Street, see what's going on at Koopal's Bagels. 
Float. Get yourself a king cone. Can't touch anything. Can't eat anything. Your hand oh, goes, you know what I mean? I thought I was dropping a cool reference to a oh, place in I Massachusetts see. that I'd been. Oh, but I don't know. I don't, I don't, to your I point, catch that can't reference. touch anything, can't eat anything. In the words, in the words of MC Hammer, you can't touch this. That's oh, the whole, God, that, that whole is rap is about, about. <laughs> is about astral projection. <laughs> <laughs> I've never wanted anything to be truer. <laughs> Every time oh. they see me. <laughs> the hammer is just too intangible. I'm dope on the floor and I'm magic on the on the mandolin doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Different version. No. no, but one of the things that I was into in the in my in my preteens to early teens were comic books, specifically X-Men comic books, which were the comics you would read if you were a, a guy who read comic books, you know, because the whole premise of X-Men would I mean it was I don't want to reference that person. The whole premise of X-Men is you get to go to a special school. You learn that you have superpowers when you, that you develop in puberty and you get to go to a special school. So all of the, all the thing that you are most afraid of, which is I'm not very special, gets taken away. It's like, no, guess what? You are the most special. Well, not really. It's just you get, because there are other (laughs) superpower people at the school. Professor Xavier's. special as being a part of this group. You're not you're so... The most special group. You're more special than the dumb, dumb, non-mutant friends that you have around. Right. You are, you are, you have the, you have a special power and you might be shooting lasers or they're, they're not lasers. Don't write to me, Cyclops fans. Shooting force beams out of your eyes. You might be special because you can smell real good. Like sense smell. I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a... <laughs> I mean, some of the mutants were terrible. There's a, there Wait a, a minute. Mutant. Do you smell good That's what I'm to saying. other people or do you smell well? You smell, you smell well. extremely well. You okay. smell, you have, you're highly skilled at smelling. Uh-huh. But there probably is an X-Man who can smell good on command. <laughs> it was, a, you know, a real genetic crapshoot because sometimes you get really cool powers like Jean, like Jean Grey, not our friend, the, the polymath. And performer oh, she herself she's got is superpowers. almost mystical yeah. in how amazingly talented she is. Jean Grey, the character, uh, first Marvel girl, then Phoenix, then Jean Grey, who has like telekinesis and tel- telepathy and stuff. Like you can do a lot with that. Then there's it's also a, a burden. Yeah, Go ahead. That's right. It's also a burden. Uh, but then there's also uh, someone who's got a superpower where they can uh, they can grow extra bones and shoot them out of their body. <laughs> Which gross. That's Which cool. But really, gross. really gross. Yeah. <laughs> Not terribly useful. I mean, it's a burden. No. It's also a burden, too. <laughs> but what does it feel like when you when you quickly need to grow a couple of quick extra bones that then leave your body? That sounds You can do it on so command. Pleasant. I don't remember. Yeah. And that person had a really terrible name like calcium or something. I don't remember. <laughs> marrow. It was marrow. I think I'm right. Marrow. This was after my time. This is I stopped reading X-Men comics when I realized I'm probably not going to de- develop mutant powers in puberty. Okay. Like, I want to, uh, you know, a couple of years past. So you puberty, feel I'm like, like your happening. enjoyment of it was tied directly to how it yeah. might foretell something. That, that could was, be the, true for you know, you. look, I didn't, I, I wasn't delusional. It was a, it was just a fantasy. Right. But the, the, the genius of the X-Men was if you're reading comics, you're probably, you're probably an outsider. Certainly by the 80s, it's not like you, it's not like all of the 
kids were running down to the drugstore on their on their apple cart scooters or whatever like to they were all buying <laughs> comics to support the war effort or whatever it was like by the 80s it was a niche a niche readership of weirdos and oddballs and outsiders right and so yeah. to tell these kids hey um you never know but there might be a secret school for people with special powers and they get their special powers uh when they hit puberty and yeah. that's that's a very exciting prospect, especially when yeah. the rest of the powers you get with puberty are not great. <laughs> it is not you smell so good. <laughs> so I spent some time. I spent some time sit, sitting outside and watching the trees rustle in the wind and being like, "Am I doing that? Am I creating wind? Yeah. Am I creating I wind with my too. special powers? I did that too. Yeah. For me, it was more trying to move up. Like if I could, I mean. Right. At least you were you were at least you were looking at something that had inherent kinetic movement. Yeah. So that you could give yourself the the possibility that maybe you had something to do with it. Right. I it, for me it was straight up indoor stationary objects. Like if to, I could move right. this tiny ball as if again because we're taught by and I didn't read comics um right. but I but I feel like all of my male friends did, and I didn't have any female friends who did. Like it was very right. much still a gendered thing. Oh, of course. Um, but uh, but as if you know, again, start start with something small. <laughs> yeah. Build up. I mean, you know what? Don't look at the whole tree, Hodge. Just start with one leaf. If you can just rustle one leaf, then two leaves. I'm looking out my window trying to do it now. Uh-huh. But... <laughs> It may be my superpower to attract cardinals, the bird. There are a lot of cardinals that fly by my office window. Ah. Be, that would be pretty pretty okay. I'd take it. I'd take it at this point. Whereas I am having a bit of a gnat problem inside my house. Oh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess that's my thing. Cardinal <sighs> and the gnat woman? That's our superhero uh-huh. team up? <laughs> Yeah, because the wasp and Ant Man are not enough. That right. woman nah. also needs to. Sorry to hear about your start nats. participating. What do you think it it's would? What thing. do you think it would have meant to you if you were able to move that ball telekinetically? Like, what would that I, have? That's a great question. I have the same question for you. What do you do with that? Had that making been wind, had making you, wind? <laughs> So or and just yeah, having <laughs> again, puberty pre and post, you probably still had that gift. Uh, no, but you know, like, what did you take it to? Because I never bothered to think beyond. I, I guess that's how much I knew it wasn't real. I guess that's how much I truly knew there's no way this is really going to happen because I never it took it right to the next. Like, oh my god, what do I do? What well, am I going to do with this? I didn't mean. I didn't even mean. The, it's interesting. I didn't even mean to ask the question practically. Like, what uh, will you do with this superpower? I meant, like, what yeah. would it mean to you psychologically to have it? And for right. me, you know, as I'm... I forget, do you have siblings? No, I'm an only child, yeah, so, so another you know weird I'm only child. About. I do, I do, I do. Maybe, I, do. I mean, everyone's journey is different, but I had a lot of... I, I had a lot of anxiety as an only child because yeah. um, I, um, uh, I, I felt very special you know i was the only child in my parents life yeah but i also felt but i had no i had no personal experience in conflict with siblings yeah Yeah. and so i had no uh training 
uh, as I wrote about in my book, uh, Vacation Land by me, John Ogden, I had no training in simple confrontation. So it was, te- uh, it, it didn't occur to Terrifying. me. Terrifying. Yeah. It didn't occur to me that having a, having a conflict with someone was not fatal. It just seemed, and, and completely agree. And by, and we, I mean, yeah. I had friends, right? but I, I hated, I mean, I was terrified of those conflicts. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's not like people say, oh, you're so spoiled because you're an only child. And you're like, I mean, unless you are, if, if by spoiled, you mean spo- ruined. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, first of all, no, I didn't get everything I wanted. Oh, it, the only stuff that differ. came out of it, maybe, oh, well, you're one of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, to to feel yeah, to feel that anxiety about right about all kinds of social interactions with my peers, less right. so with adults, right? And because that's what you're more used to in some ways. But. Yeah, and I and I as an only child, and so it's this twin thing of putting a lot of stock in being an interesting, special person. That seemed yeah. like it was my life's goal. Yeah. Um, having and and but also having a lot of fear. A yeah. lot of fear all the time, In, including I think probably the deepest fear, which is you're not that special. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. And if I could make that fucking tree blow around in the wind, they're like, oh thank God, I know. I get to <laughs> oh, what a load whoa. off. <laughs> oh, and I get to go to a special school too. All right. And there was a, yeah, I think that that's what it was. There was a there's a twin yearning of wanting to belong because I certainly. I just felt very un- uncomfortable being normal uh, among no- normal kids. You know, I was always kind of an oddball. Well, so well even, liked, so not e- ostracized or anything, but right. I just felt like there. it was this twinned thing of, of trying to push myself into weird idiosyncrasies, like growing my hair long when I was in like fourth grade or something, like when a thing like that wasn't done and... Not Did being you go a hip, through a, not being a hippie or anything. Smoked a pipe? I would have. I mean, there was definitely cardigan stuff going on. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> I say this as someone who like stole pipes from yeah, like wherever you would get a pipe that was you know uh, somehow you would be able to get it as a teenage person. Yeah, and like yeah, you go to the tobacco. the tobacco shop and get a. Get a like a professorial briar pipe or whatever. Yeah, although that doesn't seem like a place that I a would have stolen from because I do feel like I was conscious about small businesses even then. Right, I'm sure. But b, I don't know if they're just going to leave pipes sitting around. I, gotta, I never, I it never even occurred to me that you would that one would steal a pipe. I would just buy it, but I guess yeah. you wouldn't be allowed to. Anyway, there is definitely a fetishization of grown upness. Yes, you know, like I. My dad was getting rid of his briefcase. I'm like, I'll have that. And I'm not taking a knapsack yeah. to school anymore. I'm bringing yeah. this leather briefcase to school. And I'm going to wear oh, yeah. I had a, a long overcoat friend. and a fedora and have long uh-huh. hair. Like just, <laughs> it's, you know, this real it's pushing. It's so easy to see all of this. And I mean that in the most loving way. And I am so sure we would have been friends because you have just described elements of like three or four of my best friends right. in high school. There was my friend who carried a briefcase. I had many, many right. trench coat and fedora. Oh fe- like, this is really my worst I, nightmare. You say there are people... Not special. There are people who are and being idiosyncratic just like me. extraordinarily special. <laughs> Each more special wow. than the last. Wow. Each more special than the last, but still not as special mm. as you, my friend. You no. didn't let me finish. Still never approaching the specialness of you. 
I have no doubt uh, we would have been friends in high school. And frankly, I feel robbed of that. By, uh, and by what? Geography? If only there was some way one of us could travel many thousands of miles <laughs> without to being bonded to our stupid meat one bodies. One of us steal the other's body, as yeah. inevitably must happen between two astral projectionists. It's just one of those classic mix-ups. It's mix going ups. to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. So I was pushing myself in in ex, you know into eccentricity. And yet at the same time, there was a lot of fear that I was normal and there was a lot of fear that I couldn't be normal, you know? Yeah. So it was yeah, just those, a stew. Those dichotomies as a young person, not that they don't exist beyond that, but right. the dichotomies of adolescence are stunning to yeah. me in how just incredibly polar they can be right. one from the other. Right. And, you know, I definitely, as I say, there was a fetishization of grown-upness, not merely because I was a a, a pretentious oddball. I mean, I was, you know, a lot of... Is this public school, by the way? Yeah. Public high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so it's not like you were going to, you know, an all-boys Catholic no. school. No, 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 no. I was going to, you know, uh, very, Brookline has very good, very good public schools. It was a very liberal town. Uh, a lot of emphasis on the arts. Not a lot of emphasis on sports. It's not as though I was in some repressive or hyper, quote-unquote, normal high school experience where if you don't play a sport, you are human garbage. Do you know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, this was all my own self-generated problem. I was right. well, I was well, well liked by all my teachers and peers. No, like I wasn't bullied, <laughs> Yeah. you know, yeah. meaningfully. Um, and, and, uh, but you know, the fetishization of being an adult happened because a, I was pretentious, watched a lot, watched a lot of, you know, public television and thought read Athel Fugard plays and junk trying to be interesting in this very, in this very, um, uh, transparent and, uh, and apparently not uncommon way. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> but also, uh, I, puberty was terrifying because I, as far as I was concerned, hugging or kissing another person was just another kind of confrontation that <laughs> I was not emotionally prepared for. Felt like that yeah. was fatal too. So I wanted to jump past puberty altogether and just right. become the 39-year-old sexless gentleman bachelor I felt <laughs> destined to become. That would have been a real, that would have been very, that would have been very reassuring, but not as reassuring as, oh, uh, you're a mutant. Right. You have special right. powers and you get to go live in a mansion in Westchester, New York with other People right. have special powers. So, And by the way, <clears throat> I think you've just hit on something that I hadn't thought that much about, which is you've also, this is also a world that's been created for someone who has maybe a discomfort with physical closeness or with sexuality. And here you have a lot of mutants for whom contact is quite dangerous. Yeah. So you sort of right. got that built in. You're like, well, I'm sort of a rogue type in that I can't touch you or I'll suck out all your life force. Yes. Yeah, like there's this wonderful permission there, right? right? Where like maybe my mutant power means that I can't ever kiss a girl. And right. that's just that's how just it, is. it is. And that's okay. That's, that's my physiology. And there are so many different kinds. Like, yeah, I'm, I would love to hug and kiss you, but... Uh, Unfortunately, I have this thing where I grow extra bones all the time, and I might. Uh... <laughs> you can imagine how key it is that I never become a. That's right, and then, never. And and by extra bones, I do not mean what you're, you yeah. know, laughing about right now. I mean, yes, stuff comes out of my elbows. <laughs>
Uh, yeah. Or, uh, and there are all these different fl- flavors of mutantdom. Yeah. There, where you could find you could find yourself and feel seen in that universe to some degree. Maybe sure. seen with eyes that that shoot power beams. I don't know. You know that would be yeah. painful. But you know what I mean. Like. Yeah. And yeah. So that that was. I mean, it was a, there is a real appeal to mutantdom among kids who think they're mutants. You know what I mean? So. And to to that that and that experience does, so. of yeah With no some, for sure and right. <laughs> that genuinely that there are some of, who don't oh, yeah. I think yeah well you know what that's probably true yeah. I don't it's true I mean I don't how many of those have I had on my podcast not many in the sense that not a lot I, of them you know, go I'm into selectively, the arts yeah I'm sort of selectively avoiding that not really on purpose but just by virtue of like who's in my world so i guess it is on purpose yeah but most people whether they're whether they're encouraged to be aware of it or not either as adults or as teenagers most people are are broken right or suffering in a way inside and sure that is a consolation of the x-men is that is that something that you had the experience of where when, when it became sort of hit movies that there was a sense that sometimes the same way someone will go like oh i can't believe radiohead got to be as big as it was it was a very small personal band for yes. me did you have that moment of like oh i'm so sure the quarterback's gonna go see x-men on a saturday night while he is he's handsy with his girlfriend that's not fair i no, i never felt possessive of yeah what we call nerd culture right and you know, part of the reason is that I did go through puberty and I, it was okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> it ended up to be, it ended yeah. up being okay. And, you know, yeah. in high school, I was able to find a group of friends who were my X-Men, basically, and navigated that world relatively successfully. And and I, star- I started realizing that um, these comic books are greasy kid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> still love them and i love comic books so much but there was a moment remember how i said i was uh very pretentious Uh well that's in part because i'm very insightful and intelligent and Mm -hmm. there was a moment in my early teens where i'm like it may be that this angry fighty guy who has not one not two but three penile claws that it that <laughs> become erect out of his two punching hands mm-hmm. at will maybe yeah. a power fantasy less yeah. more of a power fantasy than a character yeah yeah maybe that's a Good power fantasy and then i was like yeah. then kind of everything fell apart it's like oh yeah yeah this is not this is not interesting to me. And then they started bringing huh. in like Marrow. And then they revived Jean Grey. And I'm like, forget that. She's supposed, that's her death was such an important part of that story. So I moved mm-hmm. on for all for all kinds of psychological and and cultural theory and and critical literary theory reasons. I was like, no. All kinds of like screenwriting did, reasons. But right. So <laughs> right. when when the movie X-Men came out, my feeling was, I can't believe this is happening. Because I remembered hanging around with Tim McGonagall when we were 11 or 12 at the beach in Rhode Island at his, you know, his mom had rented a place and I got to go stay with him for a week and just sort of dream casting who would be in the X-Men movie floating around in the ocean or the pond or whatever. And, and even in then in my heart knowing this is a futile exercise, 
this shall never no one shall ever make a movie of the x-men a a because the the special effects aren't it looked stupid b because this is this culture um well b because these stories have power not because they're one story but because they're years of interlocking stories with other comic books like it's like you can't tell that story in two hours. Remember, I was a very advanced screenwriter at the time. And uh-huh. and C, because this culture is toxic, it's not, it's this, the whole world of comic books is considered to be garbage. Hmm. No movie, no studio would ever invest the money into making this movie, nor, and nor would it be good. Superman the movie notwithstanding, like, it's just not, it's too weird. This is weird oh. culture. There's no way that this is going to become mainstream. Hmm. And then to see, even you know, even though it was incredibly popular, and then to see it on screen, I was like, I can't believe it happened. Yeah, that movie got a lot right. And yeah. what I remember feeling really astonished, I went to go see it with Jay Evans, who was a high school friend of mine, had been a high school friend of mine, and we walked out of the movie going, like, I can't believe we just saw what we saw. It's not the greatest movie mm-hmm. in the world, but the fact that it existed was so weird. And the yeah. fact that they got as much right as they did, in particular, Hugh Jackman, made me actually care about the character Wolverine yeah. for the first time since I cast that childish thing aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was not that was not a gross Canadian murderous power fantasy that he was playing. Right, right. You know, that was a guy who acknowledged right. that every time, every time he you know popped those claws out, it hurt. Every, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, oh, yeah. wow. Like, that's his performance and obviously the, the writing and everything else. But I was like, that that worked for me. So I was very glad. And generally yeah. speaking, and I'll stop this monologue, but like, I I want everyone to watch and experience nerd culture. Like, yeah. nerd culture is great because in many ways, it is about outsiders and oddballs and weirdos. And people see feel seen in those stories, yeah. And so if the high, if the high school you know quarterback sees X Men and can tune into the fact that a you know maybe the people that he let's just say hypothetically that he's been bullying are human, you know what I mean? That's good. Yeah. Not but, to say all quarterbacks are bullies. No, of course. no. I think they I think they say about forty eight percent. No. Okay. All right. No, that's a horrible. <laughs> that's a horrible cliche. So that's why I was just saying hypothetically. Like, I think yeah. what is more common is that someone in a someone who is living in a school or a system where they are they are how do I put this? Someone who's living in a school or a system or a sports program or whatever else that is in their world highly normalized. Right. Right. Like, this is this is normal life. Right. Against which everything else is de- defined as wrong and oddball and exotic and whatever. Sure. Just, I mean, just like white men, right? White, the white, white male experiences, that's norm, That's analog human. And right. anything that is not a straight white man is the other in some way, right? right? That's the way, that's the way a lot of people, that's the way I lived growing up with, you know, just because yeah. of what I was seeing the in TV and movies and stuff. of, yeah, of right. all of that. Yeah. And if you're a high school quarterback, I feel like, Maybe this isn't true now because I think kids are a lot more tuned in and smarter than we were in the 80s. Mm-hmm. But if you were a high school quarterback in the 80s and you were gay secretly, or if you were a high school quarterback in the 80s and you just 
you know, like liked Wolverine or whatever. Right. You would be keeping secrets. Yeah. You know? And maybe keeping and maybe the and maybe the ways that you feel broken, like even though I felt I was special as an only child and a and a weirdo and a nerd and an oddball or whatever, like I knew that I I knew that it was okay for me to be broken. That was part yes, of it. Yes, yes, yes indeed. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if there was something that if I felt there was something wrong with me or something weird or off, that wasn't um that wasn't a death sentence. That was a, mm-hmm. that was, uh, if anything, a confirmation that I was as interesting and singular as I wanted to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely, I completely agree that the fact that that's not, you know, not to be touched territory that you just pack away somewhere. Right. <clears throat> is a tremendous gift. Yeah. And as if a young person. And if you're the high school quarterback and you're feeling that way about something and you don't, even you like it could be in that situation that that person feels they can't even admit that to themselves and that's a very alienated place to be in yeah so i think nerd culture is 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 great in that like it get get it out i do not want to hold it right for my you know golem like Uh perusing (laughs) in a cave That's the way something gets greasy, for sure. Constant handling, yeah. constant handling by the same one person. That's going to grease up that's, those comic pages. It's yeah. going to grease up that nerd yeah. culture. And it's yeah, you're right. Don't yeah. don't don't hoard it. Don't I mean, hoard it. Yeah, let that let that light out of the out of the bushel or the cave, as it were. Yeah, right. When you were a teenager, and uh, you said that you kind of found your people. Um, did that include dating? I mean, when did this sort of when did you cross the threshold of uh, you know holding hands equals maybe as uncomfortable as like getting into an argument or um i i started flirt i mean there there were a couple there were a couple of times when i was friendly with a young woman and they were like okay now we kiss i'm like oh i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) entirely my mistake (laughs) i i just thought (laughs) i just thought we were in, we were we were both film fans. <laughs> I thought we liked going I to the movies. Thought, I just thought renting "I Am Curious Yellow" was because we both no had no 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 that wasn't. <laughs> that's never. I never went to that. Never did that. I, went, I thought when we wa- sat to, down to watch the unbearable lightness of being together, we were looking at it. That was a- no. By the time that came out, I was working at the Coolidge Corner Movie Theater, which played those art movies. I know oh, about just right. going Astral to see. Um, Astral pro- I was the astro projectionist. <laughs> what was the movie? The Scott Presumed Innocent, I think it was. That was one where uh, we, a young a young woman held like there was a group outing, and the young woman held my hand during the movie, and I'm like, oh right. <laughs> um, In fairness to her, it's a very tense movie. Um, having no, that, one that reassurance of someone's clamming hand, clammy hand in yours, knowing that are they going? They uh, listen. This guy has got to be presumed innocent, and yet I feel at every turn. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that that, that was always off because really, I really was kind of a dope and a pre- self protective dope because I didn't, I didn't want to be dating for a long time. I didn't. It was too scary to me, and I but I I enjoyed the the company of my friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there was a lot of, a lot of that, like, Oh, I, th- I thought we were like, uh, uh, you know, 
uh, el- el- two elderly gentlemen going to the movies together for company. <laughs> two, two Muppets making fun of a variety show. Always in the, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. <laughs> the upper level. Yes, that's what As I thought that it was. that silly frog does all of his crazy machinations. But then I think that- I kind of, around 16, had to have been 16, which is so young now, but it felt like later high school. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do. To me, the the second half of the year 16 was I basically made a conscious decision. Like, I know, I know what I'm into. Something's got to happen. Mm-hmm. So I... I, but I, but I still, you know, like I dated a woman who was not in high school when I was in high school. Oh, hello. Briefly. And then that ended. It was a very brief thing. And it's, but we can agree that generally that's a rarer story than. Yes. Perhaps, you know. Yes. Um, and I've been, I've been revisiting that story somewhat <laughs> with the benefit of age. <laughs> but uh, no one got hurt and we had a good time. Great, um, great, great. great. Yeah. And uh, it was, yeah. Uh, uh, and the, But that was very, that was a, I mean, I'm only mentioning it not, to just give you a sense of the lack of experience I have in this world, right? <clears throat> yeah. So that that was a a wild entry point to, you know, sexual adolescence. Sure. Uh, and we did not. Uh, I don't. I don't want to suggest suggest that we did it. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But you know, like, into a new phase, right? Absolutely. But then, uh, I was in a friend group. My senior year with, or, you know, junior and senior year with a bunch of people who were one year older than I was. And the summer after her senior year, I started dating a woman. And then she immediately went to college. And we dated, uh, uh, you know, long distance for several years. And now we're married. Um, but, and, and. And then when did you meet your wife? Which one? <laughs> no, but I married my high school sweetheart, as it were. But we were long distance throughout college, and then there were a couple of years of just total breakup. We're never going to get back together again. Mm-hmm. And I dated a couple of people during that time. And yeah. then that's it. By the time I moved to New York in 1994, my wife and I were together, and we were together solidly for another six or seven years. And then we got married, and that's true now, too. We are still married, yeah. so yeah, that's the whole that's the whole story. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was it's it began with essentially, and I you know I think this is true for for lots of people um, who you know you make a de- you make you have to make a decision like I'm going to do this very scary thing and yeah try to kiss this person or accept being kissed and you know yeah. it can be scary for all kinds of different reasons. I hope, I, yeah. you know, but I hope it is only a, a, a emotionally scary. We're not even, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm not sure how to say that appropriately, but you know what I mean. Like, I do. Yeah. But then you unlocked another memory, which is my friend Dean, who was a hockey player. And Dean also, 
I don't know if I... I think he'd be fine with me telling this story, but... I'm just using his first name. So Dean was a hockey player and... Dean Kane, who played Superman. This is wonderful. This ties in very nicely. That's right. right into the comics. And boy, was he... Believe it or not, Ripley's believe it or not, Dean Kane (laughs) as a teenager, very charming, very conservative, it turns out. (laughs) Even then. What a twist. What a twist. Oh, he was trying to get me into queue all way back when. No. (laughs) If you're a hockey player in in the greater Boston area, that's a real signifier, right? Mm-hmm. That means your friends are named Spinny and Pikey. That okay. means you you probably chew tobacco, you know, which was okay. a thing that was happening in the 80s for some yeah. reason. And By the way, everything you're saying to me as a child in Tucson, Arizona, the not much more could be more exotic to me than a white man who plays hockey. Like right. that was not, you know what I mean? So it's sort of funny because it does turn its turn turn a, a white man's sport in, on its head a little bit as far as like, yeah, that sounds like totally unknown to me and strange and different hockey is hockey is it's it's really the 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 lonely nerd of all major league sports honestly yeah no yeah. one no one in hockey no one in hockey is laboring under the delusion that they're not broken in some way like this uh-huh. is you know even in canada or especially in canada well you know i think that you can tr- actually be a hockey star in canada yeah. But I mean, for most people who play hockey, it's a very comparatively low glamour, low paid professional mm-hmm. athlete position. Um, and it's it's hard to make a living after your career in hockey is over. Yeah. Because well, you, I guess you coach more hockey or whatever. I don't know. But it's like, <laughs> right. you know, hockey teams just don't. They're, you know, one of my. You could open a tobacco shop the, so that right? teenage girls can there you steal. Go. There you go. Just leave them. Leaving beautiful pipes out on the counter. <laughs> yep. Then turn a blind eye when the girls come in. But, now, that girl with the dog collar and black lipstick is probably going to buy a pipe for her oh, father. Was that, so I'll just leave this array was out that here. You? Was that you? I mean, dog for a time. For lipstick? a time. Yeah. But I mean, it was like, like, I have pictures of myself with like bright orange hair and like combat boots, but then I have like an Indigo Girls T-shirt that I had ripped the collar out of. You sure, know, there was a lot going on there. There was sure. a lot. I had glasses that I liked because I thought they made me look like James Spader. I was a complicated young woman. I mean, I really. <sighs> There's a lot. Glasses going on. that I liked because I thought they made me look like James Spader. <laughs> Such a beautifully specific. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, you were you were wearing all your interests out in the open. Mine as well. That's right. Exactly. So. Mine as well. <laughs> but Dean Dean played hockey, and hockey in Boston is normal. Hockey is a, a real sport in Boston, as it is in certain other northern U.S. states. I mean, big time, like, yeah, you know, like a hockey star in Boston is a hockey star, is a, is a star sure. athlete. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. not marginalized. And, you know, if you're playing high school hockey... You know, you pro- you probably, you know, hung around with or came from the area of Brookline where most of the Irish working class people lived, which was called Whiskey Point, which is uh, grossly offensive. Mm-hmm. And so you were, a, and you were a point kid and you were a fucking jock and you were tough and you would make fun of the long hairs. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. you'd yell at them. Uh, as I was yelled at 
one time after I finished up my shift at the college radio station when I had a college radio show while I was still in high school and was waiting for the bus to take me 40 minutes home, a car drove by with a bunch of tough point kids or point kid adjacent kids and they just yelled at me, liberal, drove away. (laughs) Oh, the scars you must carry. The dean had a secret and Dean's secret was that he loved Gene Kelly. Loved Gene Mm. Kelly as an actor, loved Gene Kelly as a singer, loved Gene Kelly as a dancer, and he and he took lessons to learn how to dance like Gene Kelly. Mm. And there was a big talent show every every year, uh, and uh, he entered the show and didn't tell anyone what he's going to do, and he did uh, singing in the rain, danced mm. it. You know, he didn't sing it, and his hockey. His hockey friends had no idea that he did this at all. Yeah. And he's, you know, he would later say it was like, it was a very terrifying thing to do, but I had to do it. Like I had to, you know, and they, they, you know, hockey guys will support hockey guys. Yeah. He was not, <laughs> he was not immediately thrown out of hockey right. <laughs> or hockey right. culture. Like they, they, yeah. they came around and it was, I, I've always thought of it. And Dean is, you know, we, we're not in regular touch, but he's, a screenwriter and you know he he was in the arts in a in a community that he felt very nervous would not allow him to be mm-hmm. in the arts do you know what i mean particularly I mean, his, in such a homophobic time the dancing well, alone sure. was gonna sure whatever. but that's a very i mean that's a quintessential nugget of uh, an adolescent story right i mean right. we all sort of that's feels right there like what I, I mean, he was either going to become a dancer, a hockey player, or a screenwriter based on just that experience alone, because it's such a perfect story. He was a good dancer, and I bet he was a really good hockey player. Because what those hockeyists are doing on the ice is yeah. insane. I can't. I mean, I can barely stay on roller skates, and I've I've never been on ice skates. Yeah, I've never been on ice skates. I went to one hockey life. professional hockey game, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't translate, not that I'm watching a lot of televised hockey. Yeah. I'm more into the sport of extinct hockey. I like hockey uh-huh. teams that don't exist anymore. Uh-huh. And by <laughs> the Hartford Whalers and the Quebec Nordiques, all these sad, these, all these sad stories. Uh-huh. Because hockey is such a hard thing to make a living in. There are so many dead hockey teams. Oh. I'm sporting the, the uh, hat uh, that belongs to the late and not so very lamented minor hockey league team from New Haven, Connecticut, the New Haven Nighthawks that uh, that yeah. were that were uh, ice skating around the time that I lived in New Haven are now long gone. May I make an observation? You may. If you had asked me, who is more steeped in nerd culture than certainly than in hockey and any other sport, right? What do I think that hat is stands for? Right. Represents. I. It says Nighthawks on it. I, I would know I wasn't right. But I would say, well, Nighthawk, clearly a comic book character. Mm-hmm. Sure. And Probably it's true. the thing in the middle looks enough like uh, what the doctor travels around in. Yeah. Otherwise known as a TARDIS. Also known as a TARDIS. I, I would be like, oh, that's, uh, it's that's some, some nerd, kind of weird mashup. Some kind of weird you know nerd how you get thing. that stuff at Comic Cons. Yeah, where like they mash up two different genres, universes. Right. Uh, they come together. So I could still turn that into a piece of nerd culture, even though it is a now defunct hockey team. Right. So 
it's still, and it's interesting for someone how it still works my my interest in in extinct my interest in hockey only comes from my interest in extinct hockey and it's still a relatively new thing for me i was not into any sports of any kind ever i didn't yeah. mind people liking it it's just i particularly growing up in boston it's like it, it, not liking sports was seen as truly like a deformity like what's wrong right. with you you know what i mean right right i didn't i didn't care for that but it, still it's in, i didn't even think about it till just now that my fantasy was to join a team hmm. a team i wanted to live in a mansion with other mutants and be on a team right right, right. you know what i mean <laughs> and maybe there would be a, a slightly better ratio between uh chemistry class and world saving like you know what i mean <laughs> Like flying in a cool jet to places and yeah. shooting lasers with your eyes or whatever. Yeah. But I, my fantasy was to join a team and Dean's terror was that his team that he had would reject yeah. him. Yeah. And his terror did not come true. And he was able to be himself and and my dream did come true. I belonged to. And <laughs> No. Wait, you're hovering. How are you hovering right now above your? I don't. What? I just decided to astral project in my body. God. That's how, how advanced <laughs> I am. I move my own body around. But Dean's Dean's moment was so like I remember appreciating, and I'm glad that I was able to. How brave it was for him to do that. You know, yeah. like his fear was not unreasonable. You know. Yeah. And when I think about the need to be brave, I think of him. And being brave means you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Like right. you can't just you can't just be comfortable. There is conflict and confrontation in life, and you have to desensitize yourself to it to some degree and yeah. learn not to care if someone's upset with you. Which yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't. I still have a difficulty. I also like, have that difficulty. Yeah, I was, I, I, I have a confession to make. This is a real one. I was commenting on Facebook. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. I don't like Facebook. There is nothing more worthless than commenting on something on Facebook. Sure. It is only it is only danger. Yes. To show yourself on social media anyway, in any yeah. any platform, particularly Facebook. Yeah. Is one that I I have never engaged in. I have never engaged in it until I was invited to join a Facebook group that is dedicated to talking and complaining about the small town in Maine where uh-huh. we where we live sometimes, okay. and where I will probably die. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> and it's just like I'm. I it's the only place where this group exists. So I fired up the old Facebook account and went in there. <laughs> Just to see what people were arguing about. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and there's a big, big fight in town over some proposed ordinance regarding n- n- dogs that bark too much. Okay. Mm-hmm. To give the animal. Look at me perking up. Look at me perking right? up. Ooh, I like where we're going yeah, with this. People, I got some serious issues in my neighborhood. Ooh, you know, small town life, everyone has to learn how to live together. Yeah. You let a lot of stuff slide, you know, you don't talk about, you don't jump into politics. Right. Uh, <laughs> and yet, if someone says, uh, 
some dogs are being mistreated in town and maybe we need to give the animal control officer some teeth as it were in terms of enforcing you know minor fines over dogs that are running loose through town uh-huh. or dogs that are just barking you know for all day long because they're tied right. up and they're in distress yeah yeah people are just going so mad they're so mad about that. Uh-huh. just like <laughs> trashing the animal control officer trashing the first select person uh, just like getting so I angry can't wait about to find it. out where you enter into this as you were commenting. well i slipped into the comments <laughs> Well, I mean, so someone in the con- I was. It's not. I'm not a. I'm not a voter in town, and this was all yeah. circulating around a a, a a a a a discussion meeting in advance of a town meeting when they would vote on this ordinance. And I don't think it's going to pass. Uh-huh. People are very like, you can't keep. This is the country. You can't keep a dog from barking. If my dog barks. When a car goes by, then I get a thousand dollar fine. And it's like no one is right. saying that. It's like right, just right. it became a real flashpoint between the between the people who live there all the time uh-huh. and maybe have families going back a couple of generations. Yeah. And the very large population of but butts like me who come up part of the time. Mm-hmm. Who who you know, who who visit during the summer. From summer people, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, from, I do. From away people, uh-huh. <laughs> that human garbage. Uh-huh. And I get it. Like that, that friction is totally natural and totally understandable. You know what I mean? Right. Wait. So is the is the friction? So do you, are you saying that it it happened to also, or perhaps not happen, but because it's maybe not a coincidence, but it did sort of lean into like the people who are there full right. time. Are do not want that kind of regulation, and the people that come in feel like for the time I'm there, it's I'm, an, it's a, I'm owed an experience that doesn't involve your dog barking. The nice, is that kind of the nice way of putting it is, it is an anxiety around the suburbanization mm-hmm. uh, of a rural community that has very few regulations in it, as Maine does as a Got state. It. Got it. And the sense of city people coming from New York or Boston trying to make this a more comfortable place for themselves. Right. Which is a perfectly reasonable anxiety and pro- right. and probably based in some fact. Do you know what I mean? Maine, live live free or die. That's its motto. By the way, I I I kind of assume that every state's motto is live free or die. I'm not sure who I don't actually know which state that's attributable to. New Hampshire. But it does Okay, great. Let me walk you through all the states and commonwealths. <laughs> I would New do England. a podcast with you in which each episode you broke down what each state's motto was, what the history was, and then there was just some banter about where things come from and why and what's funny about them and charming. We just launched a so, new Maximum Fun podcast. There you go. There's no better home for it than the Maximum <laughs> Fun Network, and I say that with all love. State mottos. Yeah, um, I'm in. Yeah, but the, the, the other anxiety which is you know kind of the more charged one is these city people don't want us to have hunting dogs for example that's kind of where the that's part of the inflammation the inflammation of this debate is this feeling that the city people are going to tell us what to do which right i get i get it there's you know it's like it's pretty much only white people right you know what i mean yeah but you put enough white people into a contained environment they'll 
they'll find other things to resent each other for and get mad Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are class issues and there are poverty issues and there are uh there there is feeling of of you know invasion from there is the resentment of living in a town and working in a town and knowing that a huge portion of your town's tax income comes from people mm-hmm. who come to the town and don't want to engage with it or yeah. look down on you you know yeah. it's re- it's you know that's real, it's real that's, stuff that's that's real stuff right and it comes out and it comes out in in dog talk uh-huh. um, <laughs> in particular in facebook and this guy this just happened by the way so this is why it's on my mind this is not high school so maybe it's for a different podcast no i'm great with this but this guy writes in and goes it's maybe it's time to take back our town uh-uh. and i'm like mm, no dude that you can't yeah that yeah. I mean, say what you want. Like what you know, people were saying all kinds <clears throat> of mean things, right? But once you start def- defining, and the thing about this guy, not a year-round resident, summer uh, person that huh. I'd never oh. heard of. Wait, what? Yeah, he's huh. later he clarified that he uh, that he his family has a generational connection to the town because they visited for years, and they are good friends with some Fisher men and boat builders like okay slow your Uh roll which is also the motto of the state of maine (laughs) (laughs) i was like not only is this hypocritical not only is this hypocritical to to start doing some weird like make maine great again anti-immigrant fear-mongering and and not even fear-mongering of uh potentially violence inciting right it's not just that it's hypocritical it's also like you know it's not that conjures a lot of different associations none of them good when you hear that statement right and as and as a friend of ours who does live there year-round said who are you talking about taking the town back from the select people who propose this ordinance live here it's uh-huh. an elected. Like, what are you talking about? And he said, "What a mess." Perhaps that was unpolitic of me to say, and that's when I was like, "You know what? Um, I, 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 I am a part-time. I'm a seasonal resident, only for the past several years, and for that reason, I and we really go out of our way to be." extra considerate of the people who live here year-round to respect the town to respect the town people the people who have families who are living here to stay out of the town's business so long as i am not you know what i mean like yeah uh uh, and and to not be buttholes Uh and i said uh this is the whole point of the story was i said there's always going to be a certain amount of friction and 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 that's understandable i don't need everyone to like me and as i wrote that i was like that is the least true thing I've ever written in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't write that. That's not true. I do need everyone to like me. And then I, I was like, uh, I'll, I'll, may I correct the record? And I wrote, may I correct the record that I, actually I do need everyone to like me. But that's a psychological pro- pro- problem that I'm dealing with. Yeah. The point make is, it, make true light and self-effacing. I like everything that's happening. You infused it with some fun, real pathos, yet whimsy. I cut all that stuff. It wasn't the point. The I po- see. I the, see. I the see. point is, once you start dividing the town into 
a, a, you know, actual town mem- you know, actual town yeah. citizens and wrong people in town. Uh-huh. Then that's that's I that's, it makes me feel like I've got a target on my back and that's no fun. So maybe think right. about your language. And he, and he, he you know, he got it. Guess what? It was a guy. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'm I thought it's funny because I really expected this story to be more about the negative responses that you would get from commenting on Facebook because as you said that's a, that's a, the danger and the risk but it really turned out to be not that it turned no. out to be like you you it doesn't sound like it when was I you, say, were, you know when, hit with rapid fire after no, that no, it's just no. about your own journey yeah well when i say something when i express an opinion on twitter most people are like hmm i i disagree with you but i it's an interesting idea and that's cuz hmm. i'm a man like <laughs> people, people feel an obli- There is, a, a, I mean, you know, this is also not about high school, but it's something that I've been thinking about. Like, if you're a, a straight white guy, then in this culture, you are allowed to have feelings. You don't have to. You can tamp them down. But if you have them, right. that's allowed. That's not a. That's not a, automatically a sin. Right. If you have a feeling. You know what I mean? Whereas if you uh, are not a straight white man, your feelings automatically make you emotional and suspect. Or you're, sub- you're subhuman and you don't deserve to have feelings anyway. Right? That's just a, an understanding. It was in the context of um, Dante Wright. And the terror that I feel as a white guy, rule follower, straight guy, if and it doesn't happen often, but if I'm pulled over by the police... Oh yeah, I know that I'm going to walk away from that in- interaction. I'm not. Yeah, I'm going to survive it. Yeah, the worst I'll feel is a little, a little shame on the back of my neck. You know what I mean? Right. Embarrassment. Yeah. Yes. But your body still floods you yes. with adrenaline and terror, yeah. even though you know you will live. And if you're not, if you don't look like me, you don't know that that's going to happen. I know. You may not even know why you're being pulled over, and the whole conversation about and you know obviously this has been you know the, the 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 officer involved resigned the chief of police in brooklyn center resigned yeah right exactly that was a right. that was a profound fuck up you should resign immediately you know right. but before those two people resigned the, the chief of police was talking about you know the state of mind of the officer in the moment did they feel threatened and i was like yeah okay they feel threatened but imagine what it feels like to be pulled over especially if you are from a group of people who routinely are killed for no reason you know what i mean yeah you're gonna be afraid yeah and you're gonna do stuff that you're gonna be erratic and you're gonna be scared yeah and those emotions are real and human and if you don't privilege those emotions as much as you do a police officer's then what you're saying is that person isn't really human. They're conditionally human. Right. Straight white guys, we're always human, not conditionally human. We don't have to pass any tests to have right. feelings, uh, to feel fear, to feel anxiety. Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't have to pretend. And, you know, the thing is, and if we express our feelings, people should listen to us. That's a given, right? If I express my feeling or opinion or something online, people are mostly going to go, hmm, I may disagree with you strongly, but I'll defend to the death your right to express. Like, 
Right. You know, mostly I get a pass, right? And if a straight white guy decides to express his feelings with a gun, that's unseemly, but maybe we should be listening anyway to what they have to say. (laughs) You know, it's fucked up. Oh, God. I don't know if you noticed it's fucked up. So, no, I don't get a lot of shit online. And certainly, and, and you know, this was one, this was clearly one privileged white guy talking to another privileged white guy in the yeah. context of this uh-huh. t- town dispute in Maine, two summer, two summer property owners talking about dog ordinances in Maine. Uh-huh. There was, it was, you know, there was def there is definitely like this guy definitely came back going like, well, I thank you for your reply and I understand what you're saying. It's like, don't fucking thank me. Fucking apologize, asshole. But I was just like, yeah. mm, no, I understand the passion. <laughs> All of that is, yeah, that's something I would never even start. I mean, I don't, I don't. Of course not. I mean, I, I don't stand up for my, I, I barely stand up for anything on social media only because I don't have the backbone or I, I also you would don't be tar- like being you on would social be targeted. media. But I, I hate, I, I just hate that. Yeah. And I mean, I don't what? have. And for what? Yeah. I, I just, I just, it's so hard. Look, I, I, my hats off to people who spend a lot of time defending others on social media, sure. other, other groups. And I, I dip a toe, but, um, I, I mean, the feeling that I get from the occasional tweet right. that's shitty to me. It washes over me like the prickly feeling on all of your skin that starts yeah. at your head and sort of stretches all the way down. I'm like, that feeling is poison. Yeah. You know, so apparently, like, there are some confrontations I have matured enough to wade into and understand that they're important. And for me, they need to happen or, you know, they, they're they're intrinsic to my growth in some way. And then there are still lots of confrontations that I run away from as fast as I can. Yeah, so, but that's, you know, that's w- maturity. That's also that maturity. I mean... It was a big thing for me to appreciate that uncomfortable confrontation, uncomfortable confrontation, emotional confrontation, whether that is negative yelling energy or or just like ang- anger and frustration energy or whether it's romantic energy. That's an uncomfortable yeah. confrontation. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's a high it's a high st- it's a high stakes emotional confrontation, shall we say? Yeah. They could have yeah. a very a very lovely payoff. Yeah. But it's like accepting that those that being uncomfortable and being uncomfortable in physical space with other people is a necessary part of life. Yes, but it is also necessary to appreciate you don't have to seek them out. You don't have to seek out those right. uncomfortable confrontations. You don't have to get yeah. into you don't have to get into and you know it's like look, I go around the country with my team of mutants. Not around the country, the world. We fly into countries we defuse volcanoes that are possessed of an alien being. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sometimes have fights with our evil mutant counterparts who are going to do something bad to a city or whatever. Like I'm out there changing the world. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the work. What do you think a tweet is going to do about that volcano? <laughs> Why would you put yourself out on the line to make it a controversial point? It inspire someone next to the volcano to take action. Well, if you're saying, please be careful, the volcano is possessed <laughs> of an alien intelligence. It's Brad, the living volcano, is about to pop off in your town. Sure, that's a public service. 
<laughs> well, I don't think I don't think you're a hot take <laughs> about how maybe Brad the Living Volcano is is actually good or whatever. There's no, I mean, what's the, uh, you know, you you go on you go online, you make yourself a target no matter what. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to say like that's the new thing that I've that I've learned. Yeah. And this is a very hypocritical thing to say from the as I speak on a podcast. And by the way, maybe speak too much. A lot of the <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the give and take of our early fun part of the conversation has been me just taking all the oxygen out and I apologize for that. So it is well, weird to I'm hear me say, yeah. I'm conditioned as a woman who enjoys your company to just be like all about it, to just be like, oh, this is so fun. I get to see my friend John Hodgman. I get to listen to him orate at me. What a pleasure. Never, this is a wonderful Sunday morning for me. I never felt more so ashamed I'm, of myself. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing you speak. I don't want to get back to that. But the but the thing the thing that hypocr- this is all the time we have. Oh. The hypocritical thing that I've learned or that I will express, it is a true thing that I learned, that I will hypocritically express at the end of this long monologue, uh-huh. is that I never appreciated, like, as, as, a, as a pretentious teenager, I did feel it was my job to, ex, to express myself at any given opportunity. Uh-huh. But now I realize you don't have to say a thing, like, about a thing. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It doesn't make you yeah. a coward. Yeah. If you decide to not weigh in on some Twitter fight, like yeah. it's its own universe. Like Yeah. Go do good in the world you can see and touch, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyway, don't go talking about taking back our town. <laughs> Fucked up. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. Wait a minute. Take back our town. I have I had a note here. What did I do last summer? What did you do last summer? Thank you for reminding <laughs> me cuz I just saw did you do last summer? And I couldn't remember uh-huh. what it was. I know. No. What did I you do also, last I, of course summer? I wrote it down. Last summer was uh, a was a, 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 a hell of a summer. 2020. Yeah. Uh, were, you yeah. Tra- were you trapped somewhere? Trapped yeah, at home? I was, tra- I was just traveling all over. You know, <laughs> okay, I... <okay>. For- <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess I should have mentioned for all the things about me that are extremely middle class, I do have a private plane. Ah! Uh, I have a relationship with many of the world's largest governments. Uh, so I was able to... Uh, How did you... Trapes? I mean, I want to say trapes. Yeah. Um, you're something I wanna, of a I, I want to say I was bopping around. Uh, a lot of... I just exclusively visits to beautiful hot springs all right. over the world right. where I just communed with nature interesting. and I'm, felt my feelings. I'm looking at the JV Club Wikipedia page and I... I, mm. This is not something I realized that says here the JV Club took a strong anti-COVID turn. Yes, in yes. April of 2020, a COVID you denial. Call it anti- turn. You call it anti-COVID. I call it bon vivant. Right. Uh, <laughs> Janet Varney refuses to wear a mask, calling it tyranny. <laughs> <laughs> Flies yeah. around in a public plane, attending exclusively super spreader events. About this. I cannot believe you didn't hear about now, this. Now a prominent anti-vaxxer. Wow. Okay. Prominent. Prominent. Everyone who appears on Janet Varney's podcast is considered to also be a part of the same movement. Well, okay. Hmm. Great. Let's get into this MASH game that you probably didn't know was coming. I'm this ready for it. This is how we it. end the podcast. Uh, I'm going to give you my first category which is I would very much like 
for you to name three films that you were going to be able to pop you into whenever you want for as long or as little time as you would like uh, at no cost to your safety. Um, but you're not, and you're not reliving the plot. You're just sort of in that world of the, of the oh, 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 three films that you would going like to into, into. Going into the world of the film. Mm-hmm. Like taking a little vacation into three different films. Well, the first thing that came to mind, and I'll own it, is... No. I was going <laughs> to... Beginning to a total cop. Well, I thought no. I'll say I'll say what I thought is Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers movie, Miller's Crossing, oh, which is always one of my movie. favorite movies. And I I misunderstood the question at first, like mm-hmm. what movie could you put on? Like I thought it was in the in the vein mm-hmm. of no, you put it on and you can watch more, any part this is of it. Far for as long. more no. Right. This is deep deep uh, imagination time where you're in it. Yeah, I, I guess you don't. That's kind of a stressful place to be. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I would want to live in it, although I really had a, a dangerous idolization of Gabriel Byrne in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that guy was a, I mean, that guy was a total, total loner mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and a total fuck up uh-huh. <laughs> and was not part of a team. Absolutely not. And would just <gasps> drink and crash on couches. Yeah. And yet was also the smartest guy in the room. And I think that... I, I get it. When I started to take a turn towards n- not, you know, in, in, I mean, I don't remember when that movie came out in 1988. I think I was in college at that point in any case. But then, you know, I was I was part of my experiment. Like when I was just being a bad kid, when I turned to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Who might ask a girl out on a date. Or later, drink a beer <laughs> a when I turned into a kid. bad kid because I'd always been a good kid. Right. There was a real right. fantasy in in Gabriel Burns. You know, he didn't. As I say, it was not part of a team. That was a fantasy. But I don't know what I'd want to live. But like in that your, world. but like your version, yeah. But I, but it's but let's probably just they don't. Probably they don't have your... asthma medication in that world either. So <laughs> I would... We're throwing all that to the side. This is pure fantasy, my friend. Pure fantasy. But that being fantasy. said, you weren't identi- You weren't like, your bad phase, you weren't associating as like Han- Hannibal Lecter. It was still just like, you know, a miscreant. Uh, I'd like to step in and be one of the celebrity cameos in the Muppet movie. Great. How about that? That would be fun. Yes, indeed. I love those Muppets so much. Me too. You know what I miss? The Thrilling Adventure Hour, because that was the Muppet show. That was like living in the Muppet Show. Yeah. That was a good time. I mean, as a performer. Yeah. As what it was like to watch from the audience, I'm sure it was just torture. But in any case. (laughs) (laughs) But we had fun. (laughs) Didn't we? To the select few who love it as much, watching it and listening to it as much as we love doing it. Bless you. Yeah. Bless you and thank you. So, all right. Um, what's another one? Another world that I'd want to live in. Or just the X Men. I mean, I guess right. I would definitely spend some time with Patrick Stewart in a mansion. Great. That'd be good. I'd love that. And then um, <laughs> Grey Gardens. <laughs> Great. I actually Listen. lived. I actually lived that fantasy. I spent the night in that house. Oh God! So that is. Mwah. Chef's kiss to everything about Grey Gardens. Di- I mean, I get it. Directed by two sons of Brookline, Massachusetts, David and Albert. Oh Mazes. yeah. Yep. Oh, the 
Oh uh, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, yes, a hundred percent. Yes. Um, okay. Next category. Let's do three. I'd like to, I'd like to do three again. This is sort of, you're in a safety bubble, uh-huh. but this is uh traveling in time, uh, specific sort of time or era, uh, either to witness something, perhaps to solve one, uh, like a mystery that may or may not actually be a mystery, but the people can't seem to agree on, but you can see with your, for yourself, what's what true, actually or, happened. you know, what do the dinosaurs look like? If in fact there even were dinosaurs, I don't know. I don't think they show up in the Bible, so I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, those kinds of mysteries. <laughs> right, right. Well, I definitely, and I think you'll appreciate this especially, Janet, because this speaks directly to your interest. I definitely would want to go back in time a couple of years to see what was really going on at Comet Ping Pong. I see. <laughs> no, don't write that down. It <laughs> is not a genuine interest. Not a genuine interest. <laughs> I think I should make you stick to your joke, but I won't. That's not how I do. What? First of all, no. I'm not going to commit yeah. to the bit. This is a maximum fun yeah. podcast. I agree, and I won't, and I won't. Um. Sorry, this is going back in time. There's no going forward in time. Well, you can go forward. I guess oh, this is lame, but I'm going to go forward a hundred years. See what's going on. I probably feel terrible. Probably be an awful thing. But on the upside, you will know what I did this summer. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Whoa. You know what? You committed to the bit. I did. I would go, I would like to go to Boston in the 70s. Great. uh, Having grown up in that area and lived during that time, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, I guess I just would like to, f- to, you know, the, the things history can't capture are the smells, for one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, having, having lived in a time that was uh, before computers, before the internet, not before computers, obviously, but you know what I'm talking about. Before everyone had a home computer, before the internet, before cell phones, never mind smartphones, yeah. you know. I think that was around when the answering machine was invented. Just, mm-hmm. I'd like to feel what the pace of that life was like. Because mm-hmm. it still feels so close in so many ways. Yes, yes. But uh, I think it was probably very, very different than people. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And also, I've, great I've been, there's a, there's a, uh, in, uh, Instagram account called Dirty Old Boston, which has a lot of really great photos of Boston from the 70s, which I like. So that's, I wish I could take a hundred years in the future back, but I already took one back, so that's no, no, no more backsies. And you know, you got me with that dinosaurs thing. That's it's hard to get that out of my head. Yeah. You know, see a see a dinosaur. Yeah. That'd be pretty intense. Yeah. But like, how? What if the dinosaur doesn't want to come out? You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> the world was big. How many dinosaurs? Mm-hmm. How many dinosaurs do we think there even were? Would you think that I'm gonna just send you willy nilly, William Nilliam, into the past? And and yeah, and look, if I'm gonna how send are you, you back to know the dinosaurs, where they are? you're gonna see a freaking dinosaur. I want to see more than one, for sure. Okay, great. Yeah, then I'll do I'm that. I'm gonna send you back to see minimum thirty dinosaurs. 
And Whoa. I'm not talking just a bunch of brontosauri, if that's... No, that can't be right. <laughs> We're going to see a collection. It's going to be... I don't think they're called brontosaurus anymore. I know, they're I not. That's not even... Called. That's why I said. That's, I, I know that that's not even right. I don't remember. I'm not... I, I haven't kept up. And I know, but then I've forgotten all the, all the updates to the more <laughs> PC version of, of, of dinosaurism. <laughs> no, I know. It's like you have to constantly restart your phone. There's always a new update. I know. That's right. That's uh, right. Yeah, you're guaranteeing a minimum of 30, 30 dinosaurs. Guaranteeing. Guaranteeing. How am I not, okay, not going to see that? Do I want to see what really happened in history? No, because it's probably boring. boring you know right. what I mean? You're going to be like, oh, this elite group that everyone's, oh, the vicious circle. Oh, you know what? It was vicious. Those were unhappy people. That's Dorothy right. Parker wasn't all that. I don't think that would be a grim place to hang out. Out, frankly, it's a it's a it's a common <clears throat> common answer. Yeah, um, really, the Algonquin Round Table. People, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of <clears throat> yeah people. There's a lot of like I think there's a lot of people who who feel like the vicious circle, like being with Dorothy Parker and sort of having you know the the that's I it's I think it's that it's the it's the it's the historical version of wanting mm-hmm. to be a mutant, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. the historical version of wanting to join that team. I want right. to be on the team of artists who were doing X Y Z. I mean, I'm listening to an audiobook Their right superpowers now. Superpowers were eating lunch, Laurel Canyon, drinking with lunch. That's right. That's right. That's right. We're drinking lunch. Uh, that's exactly right. I'm listening to a, a a book about Laurel Canyon in the 60s and 70s. Oh yeah, come and, on. And that's not even that. I mean, those the, those are musicians. Aside from Joni Mitchell, everybody else is a musician that I have a fondness for, right. but I don't have a personal connection to. Um, I still am, and and there's and so much of the the storytelling is like, oh god, what a drag, like what a bummer. Women really had it shitty back then, and still right. some part of me is like, but if I just could have been <laughs> yeah. there when they were writing Woodstock or whatever. Um, yeah, you could have hung out with the Source family. I know it wasn't the I understand that Jody Mitchell wrote Woodstock. Don't worry. I was oh, in her. I was Don't in her house started. too. I just saw that documentary. Oh, it's great. You what? What? I w- I wasn't joking when I said that I'd spent the night in the Grey Gardens house. That's true. Oh, in the Grey Gardens house. I but 100% I, believe I also you, and I didn't want did to get a, into it because I would talk a forever. A thing. Yeah, we'll talk about that another time. But I also did a, a little thing, a little performance thing in Joni Mitchell's old house. And oh, God. The, I'm so envious. The two, the two women who it was they were rehearsing a showcase for the Montreal Comedy Festival. And part of their comedy showcase... Mm-hmm was they interview a random person each night. So I was asked if I would mm-hmm. be the random person. Like, would I come and be their okay. guest or whatever? Yeah. And and they and they were super funny, and it was a great time. Wait, how long ago was this? Like, what year was this? It's five or six years ago, I want to say. Okay. Maybe 2013, actually, something like oh, that. Oh, wow, all right. Back when I was still asked to do things, aside from podcasts. Uh-huh. Well, don't, don't put that in. <laughs> Anyway, the the one of this comedy duo, and I don't know if she wants this to be known, so I'm not gonna. But she she was renting the house that had been Joni Mitchell's house, right? And I was saying to her friend who had invited me to do this, or their producer, like, that's wild. How did that happen? And yeah. he said, Well, she um, she lived next door for a long time and knew that this was this house and loved it, and after a while, yeah. she just decided. It's empty. I wonder if she would ever rent it to me. And yeah. she found Joni Mitchell's rep and uh-huh. said, would you, would 
would you ever would she ever consider renting the house and he yeah. said no absolutely not you know this is a very special place in her life oh wait so it had been empty because i was just reading an article about the woman who like i from an article uh, where a woman had gotten to visit it because she was connected with the woman who was renting it so i guess we're talking about whoever this woman is is the woman who was renting it right inside of the article that I was reading as well. And I am yes. going to say that I am not protecting this person's anonymity. I right. am just elderly and I'm completely blanking on her great. name. And I great, just great, feel great. terrible about I, it. I don't remember the name either. So, so but anyway, point if you're, being, if you're that is very amazing. This is, it's pretty great that I, I mean, before I got on Zoom with you, right. I was reading this article oh. because I've been listening to this We book. have superpowers. We have superpowers we psychically connect we share a psychic rapport yeah. as gene gray and scott this summers is, did before the shire is, empire this has happened this is proven now this is considered i think scientific proof. we did it finally oh my god but here's the so thing been in the house. and 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 this is also about superpowers so she she this person who i admire very much whose name i can't for the life of me remember mm-hmm. according mm-hmm. to her friend Yes. called Johnny Mitchell's rep, said, will you rent the house to me? He said, there's no way it'll ever happen. This is where, you know, this is just such an important place in her life. Right. And uh, and she said, well, if it comes up, you know, just let her know that I'm interested. And he goes, yeah. I wouldn't get your hopes up. And then right. a week or two later or whenever, he calls back and he goes, yeah, it's me. I did mention this to Joni and, and I was right. She doesn't want to rent it. And the woman was like, okay. He said, but only she would only rent it under one condition okay and she said what's that she said well she said she would really only rent it if the person who was renting it uh was magical and there's this long silence and the rep goes so i'm guess i'm asking them are you magical oh my god and she said "Uh (laughs) uh-huh yes yes i am magical and she was in that moment i couldn't love this more and yeah she rented that's it. fucking great yeah totally i can't begrudge her that for a moment i mean i'm very happy that all of that went down the way it did and i wouldn't want anyone else living in Joni's old house right then the person who a already loved it reached out about it and was willing to acknowledge her magicalness yeah that is very pleasing well and also yeah and also i love the fact that it's probably because the rep the agent or the lawyer whoever it was just misunderstood what was happening. Like Joni Mitchell <laughs> probably said, oh, I'd never rent that house. I mean, I might rent it, you know, if the person were magical. Like, uh-huh. just like if it was... <laughs> and, the, and the lawyer was like, all right, I'm getting right on it. <laughs> just her, totally literally. He's Googling Wiccan collection, you know, yeah, collectives like she probably in was like, Los Angeles. She probably was saying like, "There's." I mean, I can't say I would uh. never rent it if it was a really special yeah. person. It's like, got right. it. I'm on it. Are you a really special uh-huh. person? <laughs> I don't know. Define your terms. Oh, I don't know. Are you John Hodgman, an only child? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's that's a great story. God damn, that's great. Um, Source family, we can't talk about it. There's no time. Yeah, right. We'll do, our, we'll do that on our podcast it. about documentaries. We'll do Grey Gardens and Source 100% Family. 100% couldn't be more on board. Uh, okay, next category. This is crush time. Alternate universe, romantic partners. I don't care if it's an encounter or a longtime uh, partner, depending on who you pick. Uh, but Sigourney Weaver and Alien. Fictitious. Okay. 
And two more. Um... Do you kind of wish, and I, by the way, this, I promise you it's the first time I've ever thought this. Do you kind of wish that Al Yankovic had written a spoof for you that went, Ellen Ripley. (laughs) No, I don't wish that. I don't wish that. Affectionate. What I wish, what I wish is. I mean, would he would just write the song for me? Hey, John, I thought of this song. I'm sending it to you. <laughs> John, I was listening to Janet's podcast. See, this is a circular thing. This is like a weird time hole superpower thing where I'm asking you if you wish this had happened, but only when Al listens to this podcast, will he hear it and then write the song? I know. This is why we need oh, time complex. travel. <laughs> Psychic rapport is not enough. We also need time travel. Put that on the list. What I like to think about, and Al, Weird Al Yankovic, if you're listening, you can either confirm or deny this, or you don't have to say a thing. That's an option that I've learned lately. We've discussed. Yeah, we've discussed. See, because my feeling is that Weird Al Yankovic certainly has thought of this idea. You know what I mean? And and wants you to You think do- that he has thought... About what I said? Doing an Ellen Ripley, Eleanor Rigby thing? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that he's thought of that. Oh, my God. I really thought that. I was like, this is so random and stupid. But by the way, I did just recently watch the uh, documentary about the making of Alien. What a what a joy. Uh, yeah, That's a I, great documentary. I liked that movie, too. I watched that on an airplane a long time ago okay. when airplanes So happened. he's already gotten I there apologize. because Look, my thing that Janet I just Varney, came- but this, you're right. My, you're right. my supposition undermines your brilliance. You did come up with the joke, <laughs> and I not. don't mean I apologize. I mean, it's not that great. It's not that great. No, but I mean, I just feel like it's. Let's just put it this way: it's statistically possible that we're statistically Al, possible. It's statistically likely that he would have thought of it and dismissed it immediately because that's for what being he does stupid. every day. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And it's yes. not stupid, Janet But also Janet many Barney. other people could have thought of it before. No, it's not stupid. It's not a stupid joke. It's a great joke. It's a beautiful joke to do Eleanor. Well, it's beautiful because I say Ellen Ripley is Ellen Ripley. Ellen Ripley. Yeah, but that's the problem right there. It doesn't. Doesn't. S- no. S- syllabically, it doesn't track. Ellen this? Ripley. I know. Parody songs this? are all about syllables. It can't be. You can't elide to that second. That f- yeah, but. His in, but he because he knows it's kind of a silly idea. Now here's where it works. Oh. <laughs> Ellen Ripley. Oh, he's, he's laughing into la- it. He builds a laugh syllable. No, I, he builds a laugh syllable or two. No, there's nothing. Look, <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic is one of the hard, he's a professional. One of the hardest workers in show business. <laughs> yeah. This is not a joke. I agree. You know this to I be true. I confirm. I confirm. I confirm. One of the hardest workers. Yes. And brilliant. If if he thought of Ellen Ripley, Ellen Ripley, Eleanor Rigby, you know that he's tortured because he's like, this is funny. I could I could make every other part of it work, but because Ellen does not syllabically track with Eleanor, I can never do it. Never. Because it just wouldn't be. I made an oath. I saw him perform one time. I swore an oath not to do those songs. I did a charity event with him. And they asked him if he would perform. We were playing like 
celebrity match game to raise money for a children's hospital in Kansas City. And they, you know, he was like, I would love to. I mean, I'll do anything. But, you know, I when I perform, it's like costume changes and I have my band. Yeah. Like, he's a very big professional yes. show. Yes. But ultimately, he's a really nice person. And he's like, you know what? I can I can do one song. Or I do, a, I think he did a medley of certain songs. Yeah. And I got to watch this from the stage. And it was, this guy worked so hard. Yeah. And he crowd surfed. And these were not wow. Weird Al Yankovic fans per se. These were uh-huh. uh, particularly down in the in the front rows, you know, the, the, uh-huh. the expensive seats. Where the mosh seats. pit is. Yeah, the, <laughs> the expensive seats at the charity fundraiser for the children's hospital. Those, those, are, those are old, the, you know, middle-aged Missourians with a lot of money. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And he jumped into them. He was so oh, fearless. Wow. And I was, fil- you know, I was videoing it with my phone, of course, because that's how one lives life. Uh-huh. And I got to find, I show this to you at some point. Oh, God. Because when he, when it's over and the audience is on their goddamn feet. Yeah. You know, no one knew, no one knows what Weird Al Yankovic can do until you see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even yeah. if you love his music, you, yeah. it's like, it's incredible. And if you don't necessarily love his music or you think of him as a punchline, you see him in person and you're just like, it's automatic standing ovation. It's incredible. Yeah. And as he walked back, he had he had transformed into another human being yeah. like he had a look of like a warrior a, uh-huh. like a, i'm trying to think of i mean that's too harsh because that's he just looked like he had gone to a different place and he came back yeah. and the look on his face yeah. was so intense yeah and he was so exhausted and he was yeah. like possessed it was like he was had been possessed by another creature like another artist had jumped into his body yeah, when they exactly. were switching astral fashion. Right, he yes. had astral planed out of there yeah. and someone came yeah. in. Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop. It was. <laughs> and that's too roomy of a body. I mean, Al's not a big guy, but Iggy's, I mean, what a tiny. All right, so that's answer two. So, I'm sorry, I apologize. Yeah, great. That's answer two. Weird Al Yankovic, total crush. Great. Couldn't support it more. What a joy. Was there more oh, to man. the question? I mean... When I start thinking about Sigourney Weaver, it's just, it's hard to stop. I understand. Um, Number three? Sigourney Weaver, Sigourney Weaver and Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. There you go. It's a strong choice. Forget it. Why not increase your chances? What Sigourney Weaver in whatever movie she made yesterday. What was the last movie yes. she was in? Don't need to go She's to the She's in something period. right now called The Something. It's like, uh, seems like it's maybe about an author, a something effect, or... Let's find out. Something. She, Watch, oh, it'll be like... Dave? The, I know. God, I love Dave. I, I think. That's one that... I mean, I guess I could go back and find out I don't love it anymore. Well, you go like back and, and find out that there's some stuff I in know. it that probably isn't very good. I know, I know. Hang on, hang on. List I'm of... telling you it's like The Salinger Effect, or some yeah, sort no, of... My Salinger year. Da-da! Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll just say Sigourney Weaver in um, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Sigourney... But wait. Oh, that's a spoiler. Oh, Sorry. you're just you're just adding more and more... Yeah, Sigourney oh, yeah, Weaver at any time, anywhere, in any movie. Okay. So, the lo- so I have Sigourney Weaver in Alien, Weird Al, but then also just Sigourney Weaver. Great. No, I, I was trying to be specific to give you something to... Right. Hang on to. But wait, but but then Sigourney you just Weaver in Alien, anything. Weird Al Yankovic yes. in any circumstance, yes. Sigourney Weaver yes. in any movie made at any time. In any movie. Thank you. 
The specificity is helpful. Thank you. Okay, next one. Uh, three places in the world that we you would love to have a little vacation getaway if we could just sort of teleport you there. Um, oh, where travel is not mm-hmm. an issue? Yeah, you don't have to build that into your consideration. Uh, well, uh, I, I, I would, you know, a little, a little vacation home. Does it have a septic system? Like, what am I responsible for? Oh, of course for? it does. What am I, but what am One I? One of the best. <laughs> like. Someone takes care of all of that. So, okay. So I'm not on the well, hook for taking care. You're not on the hook yeah. for any of that. Because I'm, yeah. Um. So this would be a place that I would want to go to reg- with some regularity. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Listen, if you want to leave it empty most of the time. No, no. But I mean, it's not like if we could teleport you anywhere for for a two-week vacation. Yeah, no, I would say this would is a place a, that you think you would pick think, a place you, that you I've never been to You would feel before. comfortable enough that, yeah, like, you, you would pick, this would be a place I'm, that you, feel, you would feel comfortable. I'm very, very embarrassed and sad that I've reached... I, I'm 49 years old and I've reached the stage of my life and I've never been to Asia nor have I ever been to Africa. Yeah. But I've been to Columbus, Ohio at least three times. <laughs> Understood. And it may be four. There might be a time that I'm forgetting. Yeah. And well, uh, listen, nothing let's against do a Columbus, ca- well, Ohio. We're going to do a, a category no, but if it, after but if it's a, if it's a three a... teleportation life, like a journey that you've not yet met. So that'll be the next category. Okay. Next category will be, we'll get Venice, you to three places Venice, you've not Italy. yet seen. I went there for the first time a couple of years ago, and I, I thought it was tremendous. Little getaway. Wonderful. It's very, uh, in a very weird way, it's very main hmm. in the sense that the people who live in Venice, Italy can only live there they, mm-hmm. and not live anywhere else. Like it's, mm. it's such a, and it's, it's that, it's that, and I'm talking about coastal Maine in particular. And this is true about Florida too, like coastal Florida, like mm. people who have chosen to live at the end of the earth mm-hmm. are a certain kind of person. Yeah. And, and I find like, I don't know, I do, there are, there aren't a lot of natives to meet in Venice, but Venice just like the people that I met incredible. Yeah. It was great. I love that place. It knocked my socks off it's right, as well. Yeah can't be having socks in venice all right there um um i get three right Mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna be weird here and say florida all right because and i guess i guess i'm probably thinking like sarasota okay i just i went like most people in the Northeast, I had a lot, and everyone in the media, I have a, had a lot of sort of cliched feelings about what a terrible place Florida is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Florida man and, you know. Sure. The cliche about the Florida man wandering through a Walmart with three guns uh-huh. and a loincloth made of beef jerky or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... I'd, I went on a road trip through Florida with our friend David Reese for a project and drove all over the state. And I was like, I get it. This is a weird place. This is a truly mm-hmm. weird place, but not just, not just, not a, just in a bad, not way. just in a bad way. Like yeah. it's people who can't live anywhere else. They have to live. They have to live in a, in a place that is, you know, going to disappear due to climate change. <laughs> 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 
guess I guess that's the through line between Venice and Florida. Uh, so far, so good. So I guess I'm also gonna say. Uh, uh, I don't know where else. Probably somewhere in Canada. Canada has been very good to me. Sure. Montreal. Like Montreal. Right? I love Canada so much. I love Canada so much too. And yet I've still never been to Prince Edward Island. Such a formative place yeah. in fiction for so many of us. I have been to Prince Edward Island and it's really worth it. I mean, it's just little. Right. If you want to But I got to go. Yeah. No, it's it's very it's a, I was thinking Prince Edward Island before I said Montreal. Just to keep the 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 theme consistent. Right. Coastal communities that will disappear. But I figure uh, Montreal is the one for me. All right. I think it's a great choice. Thanks. Okay, next category, we teased it. Three places, you, yeah, three life adventures you've not yet had that we are going to make possible. Uh, I really, I really want to go to Japan. I really would like to go to Vietnam. I mean, all of Southeast Asia, basically. I mean, I'm picking these countries that have are only countries because they were destroyed by imperialism. Hmm. The you know the Southeast Asia re- region, yeah. I guess Japan. I mean, well, you know what I mean. Uh, and then, you know, I just like to see as much as of Africa as I can. Yeah. But if I had to pick a place to start, I think because of our friend Jean Grey, I'm curious about Cape Town. Hmm which is kind of a, a, a singular weird place, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't go to Cape Town and feel that I had seen, I mean, just like Africa. Seen Afri- Africa yeah. is such a yeah. massively large place with so many different yes. ways of life and terrain and things in it. So I just, I just would like to see as much of Africa and as much of Asia as possible. Okay. So give me those continents. And then I guess, uh, I guess Antarctica. Let's just throw that one in. Three continents. Great. I'll do all, all, and in each continent, I get five nights to see them all, see everything I can. <laughs> Great. It's terrible. That's 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 a that's a tall it's order. Pro- def- no, it's like co- accomplishable. I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> Great. Okay. Uh, next category is. Um, Let's bring in, you know, listen, I don't know if you're assigning it just to yourself or other people or if it's a thing that's widely known and used, but three extraordinary sort of paranormal things that to heretofore we don't know if they if they're real, um, but that you are making real in some way. So whether it's just you and me being able to astral project and no one else or it's everyone can time travel or everything in between three sort of paranormal things that you bring into reality for better or for worse for all of humanity that's what i'm saying it doesn't have to be it could just be that you know three people know about this thing well, wait a minute i mean this is very everyone everyone very has this power no no i'm saying like three paranormal things like you could say you one of your choices could be i just want there to be one ghost one oh, okay. real true ghost that lives in blah 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 and not that you have to get that specific or another but then the, your very next answer could be 
hey, guess what? We can all time travel. And everyone knows about it and we all do. I see. And then the third one could be just my family is able to teleport to Maine <laughs> without da-da-da. Like it could be as stingy <laughs> or as dangerously global as you would like. I, I would... Okay, the, the superpower that I fantasize about now... More than making leaves move, actually. You might find this surprising. <laughs> Even more than that. Yeah. Is the ability to manipulate time. Which I guess is super speed, you know? But I mean, right. to slow down, to be able to operate, to slow down time to a anywhere between, like a podcast, half speed. <laughs> <laughs> to, to full stop. <laughs> Unfortunately, he can only see life through the lens of podcasting. Right. Everything has to relate to podcasting. And that's mostly so I can get some more rest. You know what sure. I mean? So I can get some more. I mean, I think that there is some good that could happen if I mm -hmm. if I could ma ma manipulate time mm -hmm. and everything. I think I could achieve some good ends, but mostly just to have some more time to just stare into space. Great. Um <laughs> One here's a here's a handy uh, handy hint that I learned from our daughter is if you are looking for the best comedy podcast, and I say this with great respect to the the people who make Pod Save America, <laughs> play it at half speed. <laughs> those guys sound so drunk. <laughs> it is the funniest. Thing to yeah. hear them talk about, you know, Trump or Congress or whatever, uh -huh. and it's, it suddenly goes from the the sort of smart, insightful, and makes you feel right. virtuous to listen to it. Sort of psychological pain processing program. Uh -huh. One of them to just, and I say this again to all respect to to the guys at Pod Save America, just yeah. the three biggest assholes at a bar. <laughs> Fucking. Uh, You're not the boss of me. Nancy Pelosi. I mean, that I feel like you can probably get at any bar. <laughs> but, you know, marginal tax rates. Like, right. They sound like such drunk blowhards <gasps> when they're at half speed. That's it's delightful. so funny. So funny. All right. Um, so that would be a superpower, but I—that's just for me. I'm sorry to be selfish. I'm an only child. I accept it. You know it what I mean? Like I do. I'm the only one that I tr that I trust with that awesome ah, responsibility. Yes. That's right. So as a compensation for everybody, um, everyone gets to fly. <laughs> so I wish that you had said something like so for in compensation for everybody. Everybody gets tails. <laughs> like, wait, why do you think that's... No. That doesn't seem to be that much of a... Oh, okay. No, everyone gets to fly. Thank you. Everyone gets to fly. Okay, great. Everyone gets to fly. It's what everyone wants. Great. Let them have it. Let them have Let it. Let them have it already. And imagine, you know, all of the... All of the non-falls that will happen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. My quality of life will be a lot better for everybody if they're not slipping yeah. and falling into the Grand Canyon or whatever. Fly. Everybody's <laughs> fly. 
What's the harm? One of the sl- There's no harm. One of the, one of the world's most ironically slippery surfaces, the area Everyone. just on the edge of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> what, 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 what? <laughs> what would be the downside? Secu- security of private property? Who cares? Yeah. Come on. Bunch of people ramming into each other. The sky littered with bodies. We already have that on Earth. <laughs> That's right. If anything, it would just give us all more room. Yes, great. And then the third thing, I want there to be one ghost. It's a a funny one. That's a funny one. That's a funny one. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I'll say this. If If we are saying that ghosts are the spirit of once living people, then I wouldn't mind a ghost. I mean, that would have profound implications. Yeah. And as a person of, oh, oh me of little faith. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind believing, having evidence right? that there is an a- something yeah. beyond life, yeah. mortal life, whatever yeah. that is. And I, But the thing is, like, I think that what's really true is that ghosts aren't the the spirits of once living people they're just time travelers from the future who are observing clearly and they didn't get the wardrobe right like they didn't know what time <laughs> like clearly uh, true like i'm going to go back to ancient usa <laughs> and i will wear <laughs> this creepy- a victorian nightgown <laughs> exactly <laughs> Like it's 2021. Why are you wearing that Victorian nightgown? Oh, this is not I'm going correct. to push. Of course, I'll be pushing a pram as everyone in 1970s Brooklyn did. Right, it's, well, that's a good point. <laughs> that one went two ways. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so I'll steal another one from you. You can't give me these prompts because it's just the only thing I can think about is dinosaurs and one ghost. 30 dinosaurs and one ghost. That's our new great. podcast. Great. That's just called friendship right. and enjoyment oh, of one another. I didn't realize that. It, all doesn't of my, mean, it doesn't mean that you can't have an original thought. All of my friendships are moderated by podcast interaction. Exactly. Okay. N- now you listen to look, me. Look. Look. <laughs> look. Here's a fucked up part. <laughs> the American Rescue Act <laughs> is... Not perfect, <laughs> but you can't let... Sir, we're closing up, you sir. You can't we're, we're, let perfect we're, I, be the enemy of Last call good. was hours ago, sir. We have It's got- a shot across the bow to <sighs> the Supreme Court. I don't know. This commission to evaluate the Supreme Court is it's not perfect, but it's on. an indication and even a no, warning... To Mitch McConnell. I mean, the two, there's two stools stacked up next to him. <laughs> One ghost. Great. Uh, okay. I have two categories. I feel that I could be on with you all day. I don't know that you have that same sense or feeling about time, even though you can potentially manipulate time. I wish I could slow uh, down time. So you could go as fast or as slow through these as you want. But this next one, let's do three uh, foods that you can have uh, with zero ramifications. So whether it's for ecological reasons, caloric or sugary reasons, allergy reasons, 
in this other world we're creating, everything is equal. So you can eat six packs of Oreos with no problem. You can eat, you know, Wagyu beef, whatever you want. Or it can be also like this one thing you had this one time that you've never really been able to find again because it was so delicious. Three, three foods immediately available, no ramifications mm-hmm. on demand. Snap of your fingers. Not just once. as much as you want. Yeah, whenever. Um, solids, liquids, and foams? No, you can't have fucking foam. Sorry, colo- no foam. Colloids then. <laughs> mayonnaise is a colloid. I can't. I can't live without mayonnaise. Sorry, so I gotta add. Yeah. We're not saying you can't ever have anything but these foods. No, I'm just saying like yeah, all food is the ones that I'd want to eat. Uh-huh. With the, I love food a lot. I I need it to live even. Uh, oh, for God's sake. But I mean, I guess I would say, okay, if we're really talking about food without ramifications. Yes. (laughs) Why don't you trust me on this one? Well, because I'm thinking like there are ramifications. Is this a trick? I would like to be able to, I'm an omnivore, but consumption of meat is problematic for all sorts of ethical and ecological reasons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether we're talking about the cloning of meat, which is mm-hmm. a thing on the horizon, or something like I would like to, I would like to be able to be a carnivore and minimize the global ramifications yeah. of that, even if, even if ethically I'm in the wrong place. Meat eating. Well, who knows? Like, listen, this is pure magic. So it could be that you, you yourself may think that you're eating meat because it tastes as wonderful and as great as it, as, as if it were, but it's just not. And it's a totally other healthy, safe thing. So right. it's the, the point is the experience you're having matches the one that you want to be having, except nothing is, no, there's nothing ethically wrong with it. So right. but in, in, you don't in this have to case, worry my... yourself with how it's happened. Right. But I mean, I would, I, my preference would be that the ramification be global not just to me do you see what i'm saying yes 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 right yes then bread because i liked bread a lot can't can't eat it can't eat it Um, just too good it's just uh yeah i I want my clothes to fit that's what i'm saying i know i i yes i I do know i want clothes to fit i don't like i don't like one time, one time, when I was in college, this kid who lived in Jonathan Colton's roommate group, Aaron. Boy, that guy was so interesting. One time, you know, Aaron, Aaron, and Jonathan would come home and use the bathroom, and Aaron would call from down the hall, "Oh, Jonathan," and and Jonathan would be in the midst of peeing uh-huh. and he would say yep and Aaron was like I recognized you from the sound of your urine oh yeah it was just this one like and then sometimes he would get it wrong like Jonathan would be in the other room and Aaron would go oh Dave <laughs> Jonathan would be like no it's Jonathan and Aaron would go oh sorry I'm trying to test test yeah, my ability at ESP testing, gotta flex those muscles yeah, I'm trying to de- you gotta yeah. flex don't be afraid to fail. That's right. You're not going to get really good he at was it. Trying, unless... He was trying to be magical. He was trying to uh-huh. be magical. Oh. oh, I love him but already. But then one time, one time I, I was having breakfast with him. I'm like, how are you doing today, Aaron? And he said, oh, I'm really good, John. You know, I woke up this morning. You know that feeling when you 
when you get dressed and your clothes don't feel tight at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and at the time I was like, I really don't. But I was lying. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> and that's a great feeling. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, food, food, any, like, is there a specific food memory? Oh, boy. I'd... What I what liked did I about say? what so, was happening. Oh, cur- you said uh, essentially uh, the general moral neutral state of being carnivorous, right. which is, is safe and fine for everyone. Right. Uh, and then bread. <laughs> yeah. Then... So, so far, uh, peasant choices. <laughs> <laughs> Meat, bread, and wine. No, I don't like wine. I don't drink wine. <laughs> I like when you said it. You said it almost as if you were a uh, quote-unquote psychic for yourself. You're like, hmm, foods. Is there a food? I'm getting a... What's the J? There's a J. Like it, it felt like a sort of rambling... Sort of, if I could just... Hmm. Is there... Have you have you eaten pork recently? <laughs> Uh, who's Alma? Who's Alma? Who's Alma? Alma says, "Don't eat brownies." Does that mean? Oh, here's something. I don't like fruit <laughs> at all, and mostly it's because uh, it's too. It's usually too acidic and tart for me. It kind of puts mm-hmm, me off. Mm-hmm. But mainly, it's because like a really good piece of fruit can be amazing, but yeah. it's just such a roll of the dice. And I'm talking sure. about five or eight 20 sided dice yeah where yeah, there's yeah. one outcome oh, where the, so many can go wrong where the yeah. fruit is actually good yeah and if i could if i could have this for me and the world yeah that all fruit is at peak excellence yeah. all the time peak fruit peak fruit and i'm including tomatoes and avocados in there wise very wise then i could probably give up meat great that's a great answer, and I enjoy that. Especially you're if I get to the bread, world. I very much enjoy that you gave me to the world. Yeah, uh, and then three. The final final category is three people, living or dead, with whom you would like to collaborate. Now, understand that that could be Sigourney Weaver. Because, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Great. Yeah. Great. With whom I would like to collaborate. Oof. Dinosaurs and one ghost. There we go. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. Uh, what, describe to me what if you could if you had to pin down your mood sort of within the first hour that you kind of woke up or awake. Um, what would that mood be this morning? This morning. Mm-hmm. Uh what my mood was like mm-hmm. good you know i was gonna be talking Great. to my you know, i was gonna be talking to my friend <laughs> it's a weekend it's a it's sunday i feel good because i don't have any homework because i'm almost 50 years old yeah yeah i yep. don't have to be like uh, i do gotta do like our son has homework to do today before 5 p.m yeah um, i remember that, that feeling no so well I mean, I kind of still feel it sometimes if I do have Paul, like a big mon- Monday yeah. coming up. But Paul F. Tompkins, I think it was in Laboring Under Delusions, 
where he says that things like some days I wake up and I remember I don't have to go to school and it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah. As an yeah. adult, like you don't have yep. to go to school anymore. Yeah. So very sun- relatable. Sundays don't Sundays don't have that sort of real kind of downer component to me. Yeah. That they would have that they would have if I were in school or working a real job. Right. Right. Where I had to go to work the next day. Astral projectionist. Exactly. Okay. I have your results. Oh. I am very pleased with the outcome. I better be an A. You I'm comfortable have... with an A minus, but B plus is just where the oof knife to my only child grade grindy well, heart. I feel like, first of all, it's not a test. Second of all, yeah. the fact well, that you said it point? better be an A, but you but you got apartment from the mash sort of setup, which is how the game oh, starts. Right, okay. Mansion, apartment, shack, or house, you have an apartment. So you did get an A. Yay. Wink wink. And your apartment is in Venice, Italy, oh. which that's what it would be, right? right. You're not going to, I mean, you don't want to shack and it's not really, like everything is sort of connected in a, in a beautiful cluster of, of humanity in, in Venice. So you have an apartment yeah. in Venice that you can go to whenever you want. Yes. Good. Um, you have, <laughs> you don't even know where to start beyond those two things. Okay. Uh, you also uh, will be taking a fantastic yet limited to five nights apparently trip <laughs> oh, <no>. to, <laughs> to all through Southeast Asia. Oh, wonderful. Which is going to be, dare I say, magical in the I hope, vein of I living hope in Jody so. Mitchell's house. I hope so. Uh, Sorry that I only you, said it would be five nights. But I, uh-huh. wait a minute, I, I'll, I'll wait, keep going. Oh, don't, don't get too excited because oh, no. the paranormal reality that you have brought into existence is a one ghost. But while you can't manipulate time to spend more time in Southeast Asia, there is something that happens to us after we die that results in like, people still existing on some level because you've got the ghost to prove it. I didn't play this game correctly. <laughs> I'm worried that you're grading yourself lower than an A and it's very troubling. Uh, speaking of magical places, you can also jump into uh, the magical, broken, yet beautiful and charming world of Grey Gardens. I've already been there. <laughs> Oh, in the Not oh, in, in but in prime. the time, right? And in that the was in the se- that was in the seventies. Well, guess what? I could be you in the also, movie. You can also visit Boston in the seventies as an adult for all the smells. Okay, so so it's kind of the same thing. Oh boy, you are! <laughs> don't you dare shit on your mash results. This is good stuff. Kind of the same. I mean, I got like if I were if I went into Grey Gardens. I would be like Dave, Albert, Big Edie, Little Edie, Jerry. Yeah. Great to see you all. Great to smell you all. Great to smell you all. I am <laughs> going to take a little road trip <laughs> up to Boston, see what that's like in the 70s, come back. Yeah. All right. Fine. I'll take it. <laughs> teleport into Great Gardens, teleport snob. into the 70s in Boston. Fine. Uh, what a snob I made, about your own choices. I made my own bed. You've, al- you've already, I didn't already understand outgrown the st- I didn't yourself. understand the stakes. I'll be honest with you. I didn't understand the stakes, but that's fine. You've already outgrown yourself, and this was minutes ago. You 
What else? I want you to know that you have changed the landscape of meat eating, not just for yourself, but for the world. Oh, good. That's a tremendous gift. Chew and gnaw away, I will say. Fruit still tastes like garbage. Unfortunately, fruit is a real one in twenty-eight. One in twenty-eight. I was really out there. I was really excited about fruit tasting good for everybody. <laughs> for God's sake! It's okay. You know what? You're gonna rue. You can take your own time to rue your decisions. I celebrate these. Trust me, I will. I ce- and, <laughs> and believe me, when I take that time to rue my decisions, <laughs> the rest of time does come to a halt. <laughs> I'll never forget, except that I have forgotten. I've forgotten what he picked, but Chuck, our your friend of mine, Chuck Bryant, when he did it, he he really did email me like a couple of hours later and just he was like, I can't fucking believe I chose the Eagles or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever. There was just one decision <laughs> that and that he ended up with that I'm was sure just still haunts him. I'm sure very, it's still very upsetting. That's his one ghost. But guess what? You got a real one. Okay. Now, that just leaves us with, and I'm sure there's going to be some way that you'll be dissatisfied with this, but not only do you get to collaborate on something artistic with Sigourney Weaver, but you also have in your romantic quadrant, (laughs) there's more than four quadrants so that doesn't really work. You've got alien era Helen Ripley Ripley Weird Al would never do it pronounce each L Ripley Yeah Weird I can just see Weird Al just like going crumpling up the piece of paper going no I'm not going to do it Yes it would sell yes people would love it everyone would forgive me but I would know I messed it up That's right that's right. Well, I'm sorry no. that those are the results of your mash. I am happy. But I'm very excited for you. I am happy with good those outcomes. I do not good. let perfect be the enemy of the good. Good. Except in every aspect of my own life. <laughs> but when it comes... <laughs> Doesn't mean I doesn't mean I don't accept the good and continue to seek perfection. I'm just mad about it. Right. I'm just mad about right, it. Right, right. <laughs> but in this case, I'm this, happy with the outcome. It's perfect. It's perfect. I'm so glad yeah. that you're lying to me right now because no. your dissatisfaction with your own choices in our mash game will haunt me if you don't pretend to be satisfied. Because I also don't I feel somehow that I've let my friend John Hodgman down by him getting the things that he got uh, by virtue of his own choices. I'm afraid you are going to be haunted forever by one ghost. <laughs> Me on the astral plane. I'm never letting you take this body. Fuck. I'm never letting no, you just, into this body. It's fine. I'll just be whispering, <sighs> whispering from the corner. Give me fruit. <laughs> I could be your fruit tester. If, if you give if you give good fruit to everyone in the world, then I can find rest. <laughs> I'll be a vengeful ghost. Well, more needy, more needy. Gently, yeah, gently yeah. chidey, a, vengeful. A ghost. special pleading ghost. Uh-huh. Come on, give me fruit. <laughs> Come on, do this thing you have no control over, and I'll stop haunting you. Come on, Janet, change yeah. it. <laughs> 
change it. That's rough. That is rough. My friend well, has been oh, such a joy. Thank you. It's really great to spend time with you as always. I'm sorry I talked so much. Didn't have to say a thing. I didn't have to say a thing. This is me. I'm. This is me. I'm not going to make you feel better. Is that my? That's my job now. I'm supposed to be a tougher person, no, like a person no, no, with no, no, a no, tough no, no. yet perfect fruit rind. I don't. Under which lies no. the perfect juicy. One does not. Fruit. One does not apologize seeking forgiveness. One apologizes to as a as a uh, uh, to be a good person. There you go. Who said that, Kant? Yeah. <laughs> well, another one I'd like to collaborate with. Boy, he'd be fun. <laughs> what if as a joke I said Kant and you made it real? <laughs> well, Janet, uh, thank you. Thank you, John Hodgman. Thank you, thank you for uh, being a part of this summer podcast. It used to be that I would ask uh, my gentleman guests to sing a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer, but as time yeah, has yeah, gone yeah, on... Yeah, 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 yeah. Meow, 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 meow. No, that's... That's it. Wayfarers on her. Even though the meows of summer are meowing. Yeah. I knew I knew the last word, but I decided to throw meow in anyway. I think I think that's the right way to do it. my homage to John Goodman and True Stories. Uh-huh. Look it up. Oh, True Stories. So good. I'm not going to jump into that. I know. All right. Well, we've got six podcasts to generate uh, for ourselves. All right. Six new podcasts we'll we've created that we got to get to work on. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, thank you for supporting Maximum Fun. And I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Bye. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi.